coming up on another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. As usual, wrapping up the weekend's A-League men action round five, starting to, you know, get a little bit of a picture of how the season is going to play out. And, uh, of course, we had a massive Sydney derby, which we broke down in some detail to start the podcast. Then we touched on a couple of teams we actually haven't spoken about yet uh, this season. So the Newcastle Jets and Perth Glory being those two teams. So a couple of deep dives into them. And then we did a bit of a news segment on the podcast. So I'm, I'm not going to spoil it. Um, but, yeah, something which has been done before on other podcasts, definitely that I've listened to. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you, you know, uh, listen and, and let us know what, uh, what you think. Cause it definitely was a little bit different. Some, some interesting, uh, some interesting, uh, viewpoints presented in that segment, I think as well. So, uh, yeah, something a little bit different. And as always, let us know if there is something you really want to see us do in terms of a segment or a discussion to have on the podcast. Cause we are definitely always interested in uh, some feedback and then also as usual uh, our big questions for round six um and uh yeah it's uh, as i said starting to shape up quite nicely this a league season a lot of unpredictability a lot of big results um and yeah as we as we spoke about i mean not really clear who is kind of the team to beat and not really clear who the worst team is in the competition either so it's a nice kind of middle ground at the moment but without further ado i am drowning on too long for for my liking anyway uh, in this intro we'll be back right for this with another episode of the front page football podcast Welcome back to another edition of the Front Page Football Podcast. Tonight, I'm joined by three guests, uh, back up to four in total for the podcast tonight. Antonis Pagonis, Matt Olsen, and for the very first time on this podcast, Caden Foley joins us to review another intriguing weekend of A-League Men action, which included the Wanderers winning another away derby, Wellington continuing to surprise, Perth continuing their abysmal away form, and the Mariners finally getting up and running in 2023-24 and some other interesting storylines, subplots, as always, in the A-League. So, without further ado, boys, how are we? How did we see round five? Caden, you're a debutante on this podcast, so uh, what did what did you think? And welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Christian. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a good round. A lot of good games this, this week, uh, of course, topped off by the... Sydney Derby, which was a exciting game, and um, yeah, looking forward to getting right into it. Antonis? Yeah, as Caden mentioned, uh, another good round of football. My highlight, I was just glad that this round was played on immaculate pitches the whole time. That's my highlight of the round. Oh boy. Matt, what are you? Look, you know, I, I think I, I come to you this evening as of when we're recording thinking a lot about certainties in life you know death taxes the heat death of the sun um and the the realization that being a football observer is not actually enjoyable um so there's that but like i don't know like let's yeah let's talk about some stuff hey sorry being a football observer in australia is that what you mean 
No, just like, well, I mean, imagine how, like, I don't know, Coventry City fans feel after losing the playoffs last year. Like, no, just being an observer of football is not fun. Yeah, yeah. It's imagine just, how you know, bad they would have felt if they if they saw it on a really bad pitch as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started about that. Hey, hey, hey. But, but everyone in Queensland got to see Motley Crue. Yeah, rock on, fellas. Jesus Christ! Oh man! All right, let's let's get into let's get into our main talking points. Um, from from the round from each of us. So, Caden, I'll start with you again since you are the of debutant. Um, what uh, what were your main three kind of storylines that you that you uh, or or narratives, I guess, that you saw from from the weekend? Yeah. So my first one was in regards to Brisbane Raw, and I'm just thinking, do they have one of the most underrated squads in the competition this year? Ooh. They've got a lot of players under the age of 25, um, even younger than 18, like Ryan Brownlee and Thomas mm-hmm. Waddingham. And I just think they've got a bright future ahead of them. Ross Aloisi's got them, got them playing good stuff. And I just think they're a dark horse for potential deep finals run at the, by come the end of the season. Yeah. What else, Ken? My second one is... About Daniel Pena, we saw Western United go go down once again this afternoon. And I think it's time for the other Aloisi. John needs to start playing him more in his traditional 10 role, just so he can get on the ball more and hopefully create more chances for both Lockie Rails and either Noah Bodich or Rukov Vitsa up mm. top. Um, we saw at Newcastle a few years back, he dominated in that role with four goals and 11 assists. And I just think that was something that John really needs to look at going forward for the rest of the season. Um, and then my third and final talking point of the week is John Carlo Italiano's success at Wellington. He's a player who is a coach who has had no playing experience at top flight level and he's currently got the team flying. And I just think it's a real impressive achievement for him in his first head coaching job in the A-League. Yeah. Can't say uh, any of us uh, disagree with that at the moment. Matt's um, eating eating some very humble pie at the moment, at the moment, uh, with, with, with Wellington. Matt, speaking of you, what uh, what were your main talking points? So look, obviously, coming into next round, um, something I you know, want to keep an eye on is, is the ongoing situation with uh, the Mariners, as one club that also has continental commitments, they play Western United next week. And I think what's crucial about that is you've got your win now. You've, you've got points on the board of your Mark Jackson. You have a bit more rhythm. I don't think things are, are perfect. And to be honest, I don't think things are going well. There's still some structural issues here that you've got to sort out. But you can get some form going. You can figure out what the strengths are. And uh, Western, with their sort of lowly figure at the moment, are the sort of club you need to sort of get up and, and produce and, and do that against. Um, so that is probably just yeah, a really big sort of thing on my mind at the moment is can, can the Mariners actually get the ball rolling, uh, with some results? Again, you know, uh, Chiefy Ball is certainly showing its more resilient side. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily think the Phoenix played the best football that, that they can play, uh, especially the last. Let's two. be honest. They play turgid football. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. But that's, that's four points, you know, that they've picked up. Yeah. So clearly what, what is working for them is working for them in a very mm. unique way. And, and I think resiliency is the word you, you have to use there, uh, Christian, with a lot of the, the mentality and in, in how that team is playing. Um, but they, they obviously are going to have to be able to get on the front foot and show a more proactive 
side to their game going forward. I've forgotten who it is off the top of my head. I didn't write it on my notes. But what I did write is they're playing against a side that's underperforming. So I assume whoever they've got is a similar opponent to Western got United. Right in front of me, they're actually, you've actually got the fixtures mixed up there. They're playing Western United mm-hmm. uh, next week, and the Mariners actually hosting victory. So there you go. Oh, the Mariners are hosting victory. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. There you go. Um, I don't really know what the point is about the Mariners. Just get a result against <laughs> victory. Uh, um, and here's the thing, right? So usually... Uh, the, sorry, the week. Sorry, the week after the Mariners are hosting Western. So you just skipped the week. That's oh all. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's thank you. Thank you for the clarification. Yeah, that's okay. Um, and look, usually five or six rounds in, we we know who is going to emerge as a contender. Uh, everyone who's been born, that is again an observer of the game and this competition, knows that the Wanderers have issues maintaining their form. Always have, always will do. Just for whatever reason, they really struggle to really be that top team, champion team for a long term running. Like um, a Melbourne City something... type in previous years. Yeah. 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 Maybe yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and what sort of worries me is I don't actually think that there's a well defined team that is like the top team at the moment. Um, and the Wanderers are going to have to really pick up that mantle. See, a lot of people would argue, well, look, they've just had this big derby win. It's, it's a really big occasion for them. But you look through previous seasons, 1920 under Marcus Babel. Uh, we were talking about Marcus Babel during, during the week in, 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 in some messages. And I, I actually looked back on this. 1920, before he got sacked, they did, in fact, win a derby at Parramatta. And they were top of the league. And they had some very impressive wins there. And it filtered out. Is the club in a far more consistent position with a lot more talent than they were back then? Yes. yes. Uh, but undeniably, yeah. Yeah, they are. But I just want to put that question out there. It's something to keep keep your eye on is the situation with can this Wanderers team actually emerge where other teams mm. are failing? I honestly hope the answer is no, not because I'm a Wanderers hater, but because then it's just an open book. If the, the, the longer the league stays as a bit more of an open book in terms of who can be competitive, how they can be competitive, who can emerge as a, the winning team this season, and also with the lottery of finals thrown into that. I mean, we could be getting another Melbourne Victory 2018 situation where we've got a team that's good enough to win it doesn't necessarily have the results. And then we get the team winning the championship in fifth or sixth, which would be like incredible. So uh, I just, uh, that's my vibe at the moment is that it's just heading for a bit of a free for all. And, and the Wanderers need to kind of back that trend if they're the team to do it. All right, Matt, thanks for the three talking points, which I think emerged into five uh, by the end of, uh, by the end of your uh, stint talking. Uh, <laughs> um, well, just one thing on that, I guess you could say, and me and Antonis wrote that Derby, the first Derby last year, the Wanderers, did win that one nil, and they didn't really go on and kick, you know, kick on with it. Um, in terms of yes, they still made the finals, and you know they were still a very solid side, but not in the sense that you're saying. Um, so yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on. I would say that my big question last week was, or before the international break was, I'm looking at this derby for the Wanderers. Can they show that they're that they're a serious contender? And I guess they've kind of answered that a little bit with with that result. Uh, Antonis, what about you? Okay, so my first point is about what I mentioned just before. So it's time to stop playing nice as A-League clubs. I'm sorry. For too long have we accepted. We accept playing in grounds that are too big. No problem. Whatever. It's the country we live in. What we cannot accept is playing on pitches that affect the quality of our game and us being treated as second or third-rate citizens when we pay the exact same amount 
for these grounds. So A-League clubs have to start standing up against the substandard pitches, work it into contracts, call it out, hit them where it hurts financially. That's my first point. Number two, a reminder to Sydney FC, who's gotten a lot better at this, but use them or lose them. Again, happened last year, happened this year. Your own boys are coming back to hurt you. Third point, City's talent just doesn't cut it alone. You need a bit more than just pure talent to be good in this league in the year 2023. Those are my three points. Yeah, well, you stole one of mine, which was, yeah, Sydney haunted uh, by another ex-youth product. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you make a good point. that They are trying to change that their culture around this and their strategy around this. Um, but at the end of the day, when you basically neglect youth for the, the number of years that they did, uh, it's still probably going to, you know, come back to bite you in the ass a few years down the line. Like even next season, we could probably see something similar like this play out. I mean, it's probably just more surreal that it just seems to be uh, that it's their direct rivals in particular that is showing uh, that is showing them up with this. So yeah, great goal uh, by Zach uh, Zapsford as well. well. We'll talk about the derby a bit more in a moment. Um, next point, yeah, has to be around, around the Knicks. Um, and yeah, they're just on fire at the moment. And also just specifically on Alex Polson, who we we were talking about this when 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 he was uh making another uh incredible penalty save of Jay McLaren. But him and, and Joe Gauchi might be the two best goalkeepers in the league right now. Um and it might not be that much of a debate. I, I don't know. Like this is maybe a discussion for another time. But um yeah, his his rise has just been absolutely phenomenal uh in these in these first five rounds. So yeah, sensational stuff. Um and yeah, I guess my final point, you know, I'm going to stick with kind of the topic we had before the international break, which is Western United um, and how just the whole vibe around that team and that club at the moment is just, just does not seem right. And they just on the pitch are not clicking for whatever reason. They're making uncharacteristic errors. They seem very easy to play against. I think Adelaide um, and Antonis probably agree with this. Like that was a game which really suited them today. Uh, and it really played into their hands, and I think they were they were loving it, to be honest with you. Um, and you, maybe if Western had their shooting boots on a little bit, they could have got a result today. But yeah, not looking good, not looking good. And I mean, to already have four four consecutive losses now in the space of five rounds for a team with that amount of quality on paper um, is kind of inexcusable. So I don't really know where they go from here. Um, but next week. Yeah, they've got Wellington, so it's going to be a really interesting one. They are at home, so definitely one to keep an eye on there. All right, let's let's change gears. Um, and as we usually do on the podcast, we we focus on three different topics. What we are going to do, though, first, considering it was Derby Week, is do a little bit of a ten minute discussion on the Sydney Derby. So, uh, Matt, I'll start with you. Wanderers get the job done again, one nil. They seem to love playing at Allianz for whatever reason. Um and Zach Sapsford, as I just mentioned before, comes back to Horn Sydney FC. How did you how did you see the game? Yeah, look, I, I think um with a lot of the changes that Sydney FC are making compared to the consistency that the Wanderers have on paper, you'd be picking the Wanderers going into that game, or at least, you know, I was tempted to sort of favour the Wanderers as a team that was going to win the game regardless. Um they've actually had the edge in derbies despite, you know, the, the historical trend for for a very very long time is that they they hadn't, but that that that, that tide has turned. I think the Wanderers have really got the edge up going into a derby like this, and I just had an aura going into it that uh, that something was going to happen. But 
that being said, I mean, it, it actually sort of needed a, a bit of a, a moment of individual brilliance from, from Sapsuit at the finish, if I'm, if I'm being honest. Um, that game could have easily ended nil-nil. I didn't think that there was a lot mm. of attacking flair and it, that it was a really exciting game that they always build these, these derbies up as, as really big games, but I just feel that sometimes they really fail to deliver. And I think the comment that I made to sort of start off at the top of the show about just not getting a lot of fun out of it is like, this is one where you kind of, as an A-League viewer, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to watch this game and it's, and there's going to be scenes and there's going to be fire. And I don't know, like it just, it just wasn't actually that good of a game. <laughs> like maybe, maybe I'm being harsh. Yeah. I, don't, I, I think, look, the derby is always going to be entertaining from the standpoint, like there's always going to be little flashpoints. There's always going to be a, a frenetic pace. So you're always going to watch it and you're always going to enjoy it in that sense. I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't say it wasn't a, a bad game. I think, I think maybe it was probably more on that side of the kind of physical, little bit stop start kind of side of things. And I think also the Wanderers, that's the type of game that they enjoy, I think, as well, particularly in a big game like this. I mean, you saw, you know, the physicality shown by someone like Marcelo and the aerial duels and things like that. I mean, it just kind of, it's, it's how they want the game to play play out um i mean they only had 41 percent of the ball um you know sydney controlled the game in that sense but you didn't i don't know i mean obviously kachas get a few chances and obviously that the massive won the second half but you didn't really feel like sydney were going to kind of you know take the game and scruff the neck and you know score you know this is also something you, you know with, i didn't yeah this is something with sydney i've seen the last couple of seasons is like you can see where the sort of X factor is and you can see where a bit of the excitement and a bit of the flair is going to come from. But they, they, they're never putting like a full package together to mm. the point where it's like... They're lacking killer instinct, I feel, in yeah, these games. Yeah, yeah. And, and when that creeps into a game like this, you just sort of have to sit back and be like, well, if they end up getting a goal by some precarious means, like, is that actually what we want to see? And and that's where, you know, you just, you, you're filled with a lot of doubt and... I mean, at the end of the day, this is a team that's, what, where are they? They're 10th on the ladder or something like that. They're not playing football in Asia. So, like, I'm starting to wonder what, what their excuse is. Like, they should be doing a lot better. They should be a, a consistent sort of top six team. And, and by no means are they running out of time or anything like that. You've got 20 odd rounds to fix it up, right? A lot of these teams, I think, will kick into gear and it will actually make the run for the finals and all the, the dynamic that we've got going on very exciting. But at the same time, you sort of look at it and think they're a team that knows how to win. They're a team that knows how to grind it out. And again, you know where the X factor is, but why can't they put a package together that is ultimately exciting, especially in, a, in an attacking sense as well? Like I'm just struggling to see it. And mm. and you know, that Derby game was a game that really exploited that in a big way. Caden, mm. how'd you see the Derby? Yeah, it was an interesting one. I think just jumping off what you guys are discussing there, I think Sydney FC is their biggest problem. I think it might be their midfield, to be honest, there. We had Luke Bratton and Anthony Caceres start last night, and I think they're just not up to the quality that they need to get their attacking threats, good chances, good looks. Like Joe Lolly was doing a lot of the work last night trying to create these chances for either Fabio, Kachaski, or Mac, but I think there just needs to be some rejuvenation and maybe bring in some of those youngsters that we talk about in Antonis's point where either use them or lose them. I think it might. So this time now, we need to make start thinking about making a change for Sydney, um, especially Caceres. I'm not, look, 
no disrespect to him, but I'm not sure how he, he's always starting week in, week out. I think mm. there's a lot better options than him. Uh, and well, Andy, Har- Andy Harper's going to be in your DMs. And, well, yeah, me and Andy Harper are good mates now from getting to know each other in the press box, so I'll see if he approaches as me. Um, <laughs> but um, Luke Bratton, look, he's obviously been around a long time. He's a great player, but he's 33 years old now, so I think we've got to start looking in just different options. But hey, Kachowski, yeah. who Kachowski mm. had a few chances last night, didn't put them away, but I think he's a good option booking for the future for Sydney FC. Yeah, I think, look, we're, I'm not going to go down this road too much because we kind of already discussed this on, on the previous podcast, but yeah, it's like this idea that they seem to be caught between two minds with how they want to kind of go forward with their with their squad. Um, but my my main takeaway from this was, I'm, I'm sorry, but Ufuk Tale's substitutions in this game were absolutely bizarre. Um, like, <laughs> you know, there's only two substitutions out of the um, five that he made, which kind of made a bit more sense. So he took off Fabio Gomez uh, just past the alpha Patrick Wood. Okay, the physical the physical um, profile of Gomez against someone like Marcelo wasn't working. Go for someone a little bit, you know, who offers a bit more pace and a threat in behind. Makes sense in Patrick Wood. Okay. And then with 10 minutes to go, you brought on Mitch Glasson for for Jake Girdwood-Reich, obviously to go for the game and, and get an equalizer. But the other three subs, I mean, Kwani Perkins for Joel King, a like-for-like at left back. Don't understand that. Corey Holman on for Jaden Kaczarski was... Like just absolutely bizarre. Um, now I can understand with Kacharski if he's not got the match conditioning yet to run out a full derby game like that. That makes sense. But I mean, in the, the day, this guy was your main source of chance creation in the game. You know, say what you want about Jaden Kacharski's finishing, but this guy is always in the right positions. He seems to just have this innate goal sense, and taking him off at nil all when you need a goal against your biggest rivals was just bizarre. And then the other one, which didn't seem to be any any sort of injury related at half time was was hooking uh, Zach De Jesus off for Ryan Grant, which ultimately proved to be um yeah, very damaging because Ryan Grant made the made the, you know, a terrible decision to go and try and win a header that he had no right to win for the goal. Sapsford ends up being free, cuts inside and obviously puts a top corner uh with the goal. So that was that was bizarre. And, and obviously Ryan Grant, as he just doesn't seem to be doing any more either. He's offering any sort of attacking kind of um, you know outlet either. So yeah, uh, I didn't I didn't understand. That was my main, main takeaway from a Sydney perspective. I think the Wanderers. Um, it kind of goes back to what we were just saying when Matt was talking about them in his in his talking points. Where good win. Now we're going to see whether they kick on with it. And also, you know, I do think in these big games they have the talent and they have the structure to very much be um solid defensively and see if they can basically nick a goal against the run of play and to be honest that's that's how that's how it ended up and you know you look at the one nil game last year literally about a year ago when yankee scored the winner similar sort of goal on the break you know similarly very very strong defensively and basically just to smash and grab a little bit um i wouldn't i wouldn't go that far it's not like they parked the bus but yeah, they've they've got the ability to get results in these games. It's just about whether they can they can keep the consistency going against in the games that they should win. Essentially, aka maybe the game in round one against Wellington where they drew nil at home, for example. So, yeah, Antonis, what what about you? 
Yeah, you mentioned that game, and I mentioned yesterday in our group chat actually how I guess how similar those two games were. That game we attended last year, and this one. For the, sorry, sorry for for the listeners. Our, our group chat forms a group chat for the, uh, of the uh, of the content that uh, that is is surfaced in the podcast. I reckon. <laughs> I think so, but yeah, like I spoke about how similar those games were with how tight they were, also how a former Sydney FC youngster shines. We've got Sapsley in this one. We had Caleb Newhoff last year. Also, the way the games are won in the counter-attack. Like, so very similar games. But what you mentioned before, Christian, about who these sides are, the Wanderers have had to change over the years because things haven't really been consistent there for a while until last year. Sydney FC, though, it feels like they're still caught between timelines. And you know when you're successful and you've got players like Brian Grant or coaches like Steve Corrigan's, it's not easy to have those tough conversations. And Sydney FC hasn't had those tough conversations with everyone yet, and it shows. They're caught between two worlds, and it shows there's little to no conviction in who they are and what they are going forward. And I'll bring this up a bit later as well. But that's what I'm saying. At the Wanderers, you can have your criticism about them, how they go about it, about anything you want, but they're a side that has an identity and they go about their football. Sydney FC, again, there's a new coach, but, you know, not much feels... Again, you've got a big manager bounce against Adelaide, but, you know, it doesn't seem that too much has actually changed in the yeah, way they go yeah. about their football. Yeah. And it showed, you know, but again, you, Matt mentioned the atmosphere before. And look, last year's game, the one we went to the 1 0 with the Yankee winner, it wasn't a tremendous game, but these games live and die in the atmosphere, you know. The atmosphere does a lot of heavy lifting. And when you give people a reason to celebrate, you know, the game gets thrown around in that chaos of the moment. And you get chaotic games like that 4 0 last year at Allianz. And other times you get games like yesterday when, you know, there's just a winner emerges at the end. So that's what you love about them because you go in, you don't quite know what's going to happen. You know that the game is going to be on the balance the whole game and then there might be just a single moment that decides it all. And, you know, that's what we love, Narvies, and it's great to see. But it's a great advertisement for our game, you know. Two sides that have some really good players, two sides with exceptional fan groups that are there Chanting, backing their teams. So, yeah, love a Sydney Derby. But, yeah, it's, it hasn't been mentioned yet. It's just a bit wild in the last five to be won by the away team when the atmosphere is created. It's just so amazing. But it just doesn't seem to be doing much for those home teams. No. Um, that's right, though. Like, you know, a Derby's, it's one and lost at moments. And this one um, seems to be, well, the last two of the last three times that the Wanderers have gone Allianz. Uh, it's been decided by by a moment, really. Um, shout out to Jarrett Hendricks. I think that's probably his best game in a Wanderers shirt so far. And that was really kind of the evidence of that's why you get a guy who's got Champions League experience, et cetera, et cetera. So good performance by him. I actually thought Dylan Prius was pretty good in this game for in terms of just offering an outlet. Probably his, his end product is always going to be a bit of an issue. Um, good to see someone like Tate Russell, you know, come back and perform pretty well in a, in a derby game like that. Marcelo's arguably man of the match uh, for me, though. Um, just my opinion. Anyway, I thought he was immense. Um, and, you know, I was talking about the keepers before. Lawrence Thomas probably does deserve a shout-out as well because he's looked pretty solid in the early part of the season for, for the Wanderers. 
Um, the only thing, Matt, as a negative, of course, from the Wanderers and probably just for Australian football fans in general coming out of this is Brandon Borello uh, and his injury. Um, I guess hoping that it's nothing too serious for Brandon. When you've got uh, someone that is obviously playing internationally and, and, and uh, offers a lot of experience, not necessarily in what he's doing uh, you know, on the, on the field, but again, just someone who's been around the traps for so long, has come back from Germany, all these things that we know about, about Brandon Barella and his career, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be a big loss. Um, but the one thing I would say is I feel like, I feel like his, his sort of better moments have not been strung together consistently. Like, I don't actually think he's someone that's actually been performing really, really well. Um, and someone that we can say is like an exceptional talent in the league at, at the moment. So I would say that in that sense, blooding someone newer. In, in, in terms of consistency make... or? Yeah, just in terms of his consistency. I don't he, think probably, he probably, he probably gets his goals kind of in, um, like not, it's not like he's scoring every week, right? It's probably more of a, he'll have yeah, periods. Yeah, but I, I just yeah. don't actually think he's strung together. Uh, like really uh, have you did you watch the football friends podcast because they made actually a very good comparison with him and asked was Gabriel Jesus how he's not the most clinical guy but he can play anywhere in the front three can grab his goals can play out wide so he gives you a bit it's still for me it's still a significant loss and, and sorry sorry Matt just one second Antonis can't talk about Adelaide on this pod since we're not going to focus on them so he's decided to speak about Arsenal instead so yeah <laughs> Anyway, you were saying before before one of us rudely interrupts you. Again. Uh, yeah, I've made my point. That's all good. Let's just move on. <laughs> um, no, but, but the point is obviously this this is this is just a just a terrible blow at this time. Of course, with with Asian, uh, Asian Cup selection not too far away. Of course, would if had Brendan Brello not been injured? I mean, we're still a few weeks away, so there's still you know some last trials essentially for for certain players. Would and I'll ask Matt, I'll ask you this, then Caden, I'll ask you. Would would Brendan Brello factor into your definite final squad for the Asian Cup had he remained fit? <laughs> Put you on the spot. Yeah, you have, but I I mean, look when you when you historically look at a lot of soccerer squads going into tournaments and especially i mean you know we probably still had daniel arzani running around and chris economides and things like that at, at the last asian cup cycle mm. um some like a brandon borello being in there as a depth player is just one of those ones where it's like i'm sure we could find the replacement it's not yeah. the most it's not the biggest loss that we could suffer um but certainly i guess with the fact that he had been playing in those last few qualifiers and clearly was someone that Arnie had wanted to monitor. I guess from that sense, it, it is disappointing. Mm. Um, but you can make up that loss pretty, pretty easily, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Okay. Caden, what are you? Yeah, I think he definitely would have made the squad. I don't know how much actual game time he would have got, but yeah. um, I think definitely... He would have, but I think Cassini Yangi is definitely going to be now nipping on his heels, um, in the future years. Um, so yeah, I think yes, he would have, but probably wouldn't have played very much. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. All right. Um, let's move on then and focus. So we've got a couple teams here, uh, that we haven't actually focused on yet in the podcast. And I think, uh, it's important to really deep dive into all the teams at some point during, during the season. So. First team we're going to focus on tonight is Newcastle Jets, um, and then we're going to talk about Perth Glory after that. 
And then we've got a little bit of a different segment uh, after the break to to bring to you as well. So the Jets, uh, let's let's talk about them because you know we we obviously know about what's what's been going up off the pitch and and with the whole you know ownership situation, but it's it's quite an intriguing team on it um, at the moment. Um, and you could say intriguing in the sense that it's not offering a lot, or you could say intriguing in terms of what Rob Stanton's kind of trying to do in terms of the way it's built, and then maybe it's, you know, style of play too. Um, but a 3-1 loss in the derby. Uh, first of all, Antonis, I'll go to you. Um, what, what did you make of what you make of this game? What did you make of the Jets, I guess, in this game? Yeah, as Matt mentioned before, they were playing a side that hasn't shown an incredible deal this season. I feel the Mariners have been solid enough, but that's about it. They're very unlucky. But again, I was hoping to see a lot more from the Jets, as in, going at them, but mm. you know, felt like for 70, 75 minutes, they kind of didn't offer anything. And I found that extremely disappointing because there has been a side in this season that, okay, we know that their squad isn't made up of the best players in the league. We know the context off the pitch. So, but they've shown fight and that was absent. And, you know, when you play your rival, especially at their home as well. You know, you'd think that's the prerequisite, but especially when your rival is down the dumps, you'd think that's your opportunity to pounce. But the reigning champions, too, you know, the more I'm actually talking about now, I'm just realizing, like, where were you? That was my disappointment. <laughs> it, it just felt like they were just participating for the majority of this game. And then at the end, they came good, if you will, but too little, too late. Game's decided by then. And, you know, you go forward to try and get an equalizer and they hit you because you've exposed yourself because of your poor start. I just want to give a quick shout out for Antonis Kyle Jenkinson, another Arsenal legend on Newcastle as well. So just want to give you a shout out for him as well. And yeah, no, no great weekend for him, unlike his old team. Uh, uh, <laughs> Um, sorry, I was just having some issues there with, with my mic. Um, you know what I've just realized? This is actually a stunning stat. So the one, the Wanderers, just to go off, we were just talking about how defensively solid, um, the Wanderers have been, you know, the two goals they've conceded who it was against this season. Well, it's the very team we're talking about right now, the Newcastle Jets, when they drew them to all. And no, but the point is, it kind of feeds into what Antonis is saying, where it shows you, I think, just in a snapshot like that, that the Jets have got, you know, something there that if they actually took the game a bit more to their opponents, that they could definitely, you know, get more results. Like, look, it worked for them against Western where they did sit in and, and they got the goal that they wanted kind of against the run of play with, with Stamatolopoulos. Um, but, you know, I thought when they played Perth in round one, it, you could see it was a team that was trying to play and, and be on the front foot. And they got stung a couple of times, but it's a good result. Okay, two all in Perth, whatever you take it, round one. Then they tried to do it against a team which is probably happy to sit in a bit more, like victory, and they got stung, right? Okay. Then they did it against the Wanderers, and, you know, they were tuning up, and then they, as is the case with the young team, they kind of collapsed and, and gave away, um, you know, what should have been three points. But across those opening three games, I felt, okay, you didn't win, but you showed something there where, if you actually took the game of your opponents every week, like you could be a frisky team around the six potentially. But for whatever reason, from from that Wanderers result where they dropped, uh, you know, they dropped two points, um, 
to the Western game, Rob Stanton just seemed to have a change in focus and he just went, no, I think, I think we should be a team who, who sits in and tries to get results and play on the break a bit more. Now, I know, um, and speaking to Jack Tuhill, who's not on the podcast, who, who follows Newcastle, um, closely, he would say, I think, for, for what Newcastle and the way the fans are at the moment and the way the club is at the moment, it's important to maybe just get results to try and, you know, basically keep people on board with what's going on and, and not, you know, lose more fans essentially. But I, I think they've actually got a team, particularly when I look at two center backs like Mark Natter and Philip Chanchar, who are very decent on the ball. Like, I think you can try and play and actually beat teams that way. I don't think you need to sit in. And I think in the F3 derby, you saw the downside to that because, like Antonis said, they didn't offer anything until Archie Goodwin basically came on and, and got on the end of a mistake, really, by the Mariners. And then all of a sudden, okay, yeah, you're in the game. But, I mean, if that's what you want your destiny to be as a team this season, I don't think they're going to get anywhere, to be honest with you. I think they're going to have a lot more success if they try and be on the front foot. But that's, you know, that's just my opinion. So I think the thing is, they're pretty uninspiring, right? And I don't think anyone can shy away from that. Yeah. But with the nature of the way that certain circumstances are going around them and the way other teams in this competition are playing, to go back to the sort of overarching argument that, you know, they did show it in, in certain areas, especially to start the season away in Perth. And, you know, my my sort of read on this is your mind immediately sort of kicks into gear and, and you want to say, oh, it's crisis mode, right? Like, is anything ever going to go right for this team with the way that they're being run? with, you know, the uninspiring management choice after uninspiring management choice, with the fact that they've just been so devoid of a winning mentality. In, in do do so you think Stanton's an uninspiring man- managerial choice, or do you think do you yes. think he's someone yes. who could... Co- objectively, objectively, yes. You but do? They're okay. financially not in a situation where they can sort of explore paying someone who might demand a bit of a mm-hmm. higher wage. I mean, I don't know that the more successful managers take someone like an Ulfi Talley, for example... Um, or even in Alan Stadich, I don't, I, I doubt that they're going to be asking for a lot more money, but it just seems to me when they go for guys like Craig Deans and Rob Stan, it just seems to me that they're going for the convenient option. Maybe, maybe my read on that is wrong, but I feel, I feel, I feel like, I don't think Stanton was an ambitious appointment. I wouldn't say that, but I feel like maybe he's more someone who felt if I could go to that team basically as a first head, head coaching job and mm. kind of, Re- rejuvenate essentially the team, then maybe I could get something else. It can't, I guess it's kind of like. I'm going to go a, back in the archives for a little bit here. Do you remember yeah. when they had Scott Miller as their manager? Yeah. Yeah. Scott Miller, Scott Miller came in with exactly the same approach and he didn't shy away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And he spoke out and was like, I'm coming in um, as manager for the first time. This team has had poor results after poor results. And, um, you know, I just, I want to be able to try and produce. And the team didn't get any higher than like seventh or eighth. They just, they just could not produce under him. Now, maybe it's just because he's not a very good coach. Fair enough. But in the sort of years intervening after that, clearly somewhere at the boardroom level, and I understand Martin Lee was look, they still sort of had the investment at the time, but they looked around and they were like, what can we actually do to kick this team into gear? And this is where they had that sort of veteran mentality and you still had guys like Bogart who would stick around in the team. You still had Topol Stanley who came mm. back for a few stints and you had the appointment of Ernie Merrick and it completely revolutionized and changed mm. the team and they hosted the grand final, right? They have not had that conversation. They have not tried that appointment. They have not tried that mentality. They've not tried to tactically sort of have something that's unique to them. They're just, they're not really trying anything in any one set direction, right? 
But let me actually finish my main point. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're in a position with the Jets where maybe they look uninspiring, but there is time for a bit of a change to kick into gear. And by the way, as we're speaking, they're in seventh. They're literally on the verge of the six. So it's not even like it's a doomsday scenario. It's just that if they find a way to show that ambition again, if they find a lot of the, the younger guys in that team who can step up, I, I remember seeing Costa Grosos playing really well in Perth, for, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, Mark Natter was someone that you mentioned as well. You know, like a few of these guys, if they step up and play the football that they know how to play, I, I don't necessarily think that we're looking at a team that's going to be dreadful. Um, and there will be a scope for change there. But at the same time, I, you can't look at the squad on paper and you can't look at Rob Stanton as a coach and say, okay, now is the time where they're really going to try and kick into gear and become something special. Because what evidence is what evidence is there that Newcastle are going to do that? Seldom is there actually evidence on that. So that, that's that's the one sort of thing I would say is give it time um, and be mindful of the fact that you know that there's there's an untested manager there who can change things up. But I just don't have enough evidence to say that that will change. Mm. And just quickly uh, yeah, on that as well, just Rob Stanton. I don't know if you recall. I don't recall him being linked to another A League job that had ever become available. So we have to also remember that this is a club with no owners, and they haven't had owners for a bit. So it's a two way street because you can approach Tale and say we want you, but then he has to say I want you as well, and. You saw the questions that Alan Stadjic was getting when he joined Perth. Oh, do you have any concern about the owners? And they said, no, it's been sorted. No problem. We know that's not the case now. <laughs> but, you know, it's an actual thing because it's a two-way street. The club appoints you, but you work for the club. And if you've got concerns about it, you're not going to take the job. So I think it's kind of what you're saying as well, Christian, that it's a manager that wants to take the plunge, maybe one that wasn't on top of other clubs' lists, and he's backed himself, and good on him. We'll see what they can do. And with mm. what Matt's saying, I agree as well that I don't think they're going to be terrible, but I don't think we've got a terrible team in this league this year. Mm. No one, just by looking at who coaches are, what teams are, what we know they can play like, I don't think anyone is terrible. But as Matt mentioned, you have to be a bit more than not terrible this year in this league if you're going to get something done. And what we mentioned, we've seen them do things this year. We've seen them take it up to a few of these teams. There's no reason why you couldn't do that to your rivals who have had their own struggles this year. This is their home game. They want to knock you down the peg, get the win. Why don't you go there and push them and make you can be a reason why they continue falling. You know, as a rival, I feel like that's something you'd embrace. Mm. And I was just a bit concerned that it didn't feel we got any of that until the local boy, Archie Goodwin, came on. Yeah, I've got I've got some points on this, but Caden, I want to get your thoughts on, on the Jets. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a similar case to Sydney where they're just kind of stuck at the moment. They just, they, I don't think we're going to see them really become a, a quote-unquote good side until that, that off-the-pitch stuff is sorted. It's just, it's taking up too much They've got like they've got no money. They're being bankrolled by other clubs in the league. They can't spend on players. They can't spend on good coaches. It's just it's really tough. So what I'd just do is I'd just focus on just getting all the best local young talent. Yeah, you, you won't have to pay them as much as you would a 
like a marquee player and just focus, just give them game time and just see what happens. Just set them up in a basic tactic, 4-3-3, whatever. Just set them up and let them cook, just see what happens. Just go out there and just have fun and just, I mean, like, like what else can you do? Like, like you said, well, I don't think Robbie Stanton is going to be able to win them a premiership or anything like that. So you may as well just go out, try and develop some players and maybe try and make some income that way. Just try and develop players to sell overseas. Like, I don't see what else they can actually do at this moment in time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I agree. In fact, what you've probably just described in terms of what they should do is it, what I'm trying to say is I actually feel like they were trying to do that in those first few games, and then that's what I mean. Where my my I'm not saying this is crisis mode by the way or anything like that in terms of one. No, not yeah, not at all. I'm I'm saying I'm worried about Rob Stanton's approach suddenly changing to be more passive and negative when really I mean, Caden, you were at that game when when they played victory and yeah. okay. Bruno Fornaroli was, you know, uh, speaking of cooking, yeah, right. You know, Bruno Fornaroli mm. was was on a mad one, and you know that, and he was just touching everything that went to goal. But you saw with Clayton Taylor, you saw with, you know, Costa Grosos in Perth, for example. They, you know, they've got a couple of younger guys who Apostolos Stamatopoulos against the Wanderers, for example. You know, they've got a couple of guys there that if you can show them a roadmap to at least, you know, how to score in games is kind of what I'm getting at then for sure you can get a few results here and there and just be competitive at the absolute least. Um, and I don't think the approach they took in the derby was anywhere near what they should be doing, I guess. Okay, no, I sorry. agree. Yeah. So, no, I agree. And I spoke to Stan after that, after that game and he mm. he rates Clayton Taylor really highly. Mm. And um, he said, I've got a quote here, he said he's a player whose best moments are better than a lot. He's a terrific kid with a great attitude. So I think, I think Robbie Stanton does want to try and play youth, but I'm not sure, like you said, why he's kind of stepped away from it. Maybe he's maybe feeling a bit of pressure as well. First head coaching kind of gig, maybe he's kind of just a bit nervous and wants to try and get a string of results together. But I think he's just got to try and not get into that mindset and just try and play and develop these young guys. Yeah. I think, um, the other thing which is interesting is, like when you're a club, you have no owners. You know, there's all sorts of new stories coming out all the time about you know what's happening off the pitch, etc. And then the foreign players that you do sign, like Jason Bartholomew and Matt can speak to this. Like he's just frankly not ready, clearly. Um, and when he come, he's just coming off the bench. He's not ready to start because Matt didn't he in that first game against Perth, like he basically admitted afterwards, yeah, like, you know, listen, he's not ready. Um, and it's just kind of like, and and I think we were talking about this and it's like, I mean, in the A-League, basically it, rule number one, who will you sign any foreign player is make sure he gets like a month pre-season in Australia to get ready. Otherwise, it ain't going to work, right? So with Bartholomew, I'm also very intrigued with how someone of Rob Stanton's Connections. I mean, like, I don't know if Rob has connections overseas, but I've always felt that a club like Newcastle is actually better suited with like a hard yakker. It's a strange term. Like a, a sort of get on your get on your feet, be a tough, be a tough sort of hard working, you know, League One, League Two striker in the mold of Roy Donovan, right? Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I've seen them come out with some foreign signings in the time since, uh, you know, discovering Roy and what he's done to Australian football in the years since, where he's a talisman for Sydney Olympic and all these incredible things, and he's, he's going on, on, on live TV and just one of those people that is able to give back to the game. That is a Newcastle signing. That is someone that they should be looking at. And for someone like Rob, who doesn't have a lot of connections elsewhere, or I'm, I'm saying that without actually knowing it. Like he's seemingly, not, seemingly yeah, doesn't. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, to, to me, like the signing Bartholomew just never made sense. And I immediately said to Rob <laughs> after that first game, like, dude, he he did not he did not look fit at all. And Rob was like, yeah, it's it's a it's a long flight. Do you know who they last said that about? Daniel Sturridge. Okay, so like. Like, come on. Like, it's not, it's not good. And, um, yeah, it just, it, it really kind of irks me that a club like Newcastle, especially with their financial problems, wouldn't mm-hmm. look for someone who's far more of a different mold to, to that particular signing, especially as an attacking player. I think the most heartbreaking thing about it is that he's a, he's a forward. He's a midfielder. He's a midfielder. He's we an know if you player. He's an attacking player. Well, he's attacking, <laughs> he's attack minded player. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but you know what's interesting too, though, and this is this is just a byproduct of the ownership situations. Newcastle are now just accumulating a lot of guys who are kind of on their second, third sort of clubs, and they're just not really, yeah, okay, maybe you can kind of turn them into something potentially, but I, like, sorry, like you know, I just, can I just speak yeah. on this for a second? Yeah, how the hell? Did Daniel Steins, the hottest now, come on, we, we know his grievances. We here in WA know exactly why he left, okay? But he was scoring in the freaking Asian Champions League, mm. and he's gone from that level to being it's, completely yeah. anonymous, as for Cal Timmons. And for two of the two young hot talents who have been told, you can come here and get more of a chance. You can be freed from a lot of the BS that's going on. You can work under Brandon O'Neill. The fact that they've just completely disappeared off the face of the earth. And and I think of a lot of these younger players in the team who have come from the other Sydney clubs as well, where one or two of them are getting their chance, but the, the recruitment is also a very, very weird one in that they're not looking for players who can distinctly make a difference as well. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Oh, um, well, th- this is what I'm saying, where I feel like they're looking for guys who essentially are going to be available on the cheap and can fill roster spots. Like that. That's kind of like what it feels like with Steins, with Daniel Wilmering, with Thomas Aquilina. Like these, these are not... like. These are guys who two, three seasons ago were hot prospects, you know, but like for me, this is kind of what Caden uh, was speaking about with the NPL talent is I want Lachlan Bayless. I want Clayton Taylor types. That's that's what I want now, you know, and even I think Mark Natter and Philip Chanchar are still players who could, you know, perform, perform and get sold on um, if, if we're looking through through that lens. Yeah. Um, but they're still guys who essentially kind of were Wanderers products and then they're they're kind of bringing them back because well you know you'll come to us we know that if you know what i mean like you won't go anywhere else maybe but we'll take you sort of so and and also also the fact that angus thurgate is at western united as well i think for anyone who's from that region the fact that he's the fact that he's sort of up and left is a really sort of big kick in the face because he he Mm. is that club you know what i mean um Ironically enough, in a similar way to the way a lot of people in WA felt about Daniel Stein's league. But it just, it just sort of begs the question that why, why are these guys from Sydney and the Wanderers getting a third chance, a second chance, and you're not really looking after your own? Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Archie Goodman ends up at another club at some, some point down the track of the line. Um, 
because yeah, I think I think they're obviously they maybe they're doing it for financial reasons, but it, it just it just screams a lot of desperation. And when you've mm. got Trent Bahaja, for goodness sakes, you know, being being the one to run out there is, is supposedly your main attacking you know pinpoint in, in in your squad, you've got a lot of problems, right? So yeah, it's 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 the management, it's the players. There's just a lot of issues there that they really ought to address. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder. Just, if, uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Just quickly with that, there's no issue with getting players on the second or third chance. It's mm. just what you do with them. It's like you mentioned, Christian, mm. about mm. filling in spots. It's not just part. Well, part it's, it's, what, it's what we say about the Mariners and like Thea Harris. Yeah, yeah. I, I was yeah. just about to say that yeah. with. Monty I, I can see and, you were going down there. Yeah, Monty and <laughs> Sergio there. What they did was bring in these players, you know, bring in players that were maybe not recognized, like a Caltech or players Jing, that. Jing Reese could be an example of this right now. Yeah. yeah. That players that had been to a couple of spots and it hadn't worked out for one reason or another. That it's more than just a highlight reel. You're recruiting a person, you're recruiting someone to be your winger, you're recruiting someone to come off the bench. For your winger, not oh, just come in and figure it out later. You actually need a plan. And, and we don't look, and we don't, we don't yeah. know. This is obviously how Newcastle are recruiting. It just feels like that's oh, yeah. how. It, yeah. It's it's obviously not done in a way that works because here we are again talking about this, and this is a club that's been in this situation for a while. And mm-hmm. you just have to be a bit better with that. Be it if you back a manager and say it doesn't matter what the results look for a year or two, we are backing you to build this, and we will judge you by then and that. Just let someone build something because this is not a good job right now. This isn't a good job. So you have to make it attractive to someone. You have to say, this is what we'll judge you on. You will have time. Do your thing. You can't just go in and expect someone to be a miracle worker. This is what was expected of Arthur Pappas. Oh, this is Andrew's disciple coming in. Oh, look, you played a couple of exciting games and suddenly... The Jets are great. This isn't the reality of it. This isn't a good job. It's going to take time to build again. It's not impossible, but it's not easy. So you have to treat it as such in Mars. I guess I guess the ultimate argument against that is is there gonna be time? You know, based on, essentially based on, you know, the way the way this club could potentially be going. Um, you know, knock on wood essentially. But yeah. It's so uh, uncertain though, because the fact owners by Christmas, owners come in and say we want another manager. You know, so you might have to clean slate again. So that's why I'm saying that it's not a good job. There's just so many moving variables. And I wish them all the best. I hope they keep finding and I hope they're part of my trademark pack this year that may be in finals just outside of finals. I hope they're part of it. But yeah, there's a lot still to play out and a lot left to be desired with how they go about it. Yeah. Well, um, I'm wondering how strong the words were from Thomas Aquilina towards Trent Bahaja, um after the game, uh, after he put probably the best cross I've seen of the season onto Trent Bahaja's head to to literally fluff, um, as Trent Bahaja loves to do. Uh, and then the only... Look, the, the main positive for, from a Newcastle perspective was seeing Archie Goodwin come back, look good, score, and uh, from, from their point of view, they'd be praying and hoping that uh, that continues for as long as possible. Um, anyway, let's move on. And Perth Glory, um, who we haven't who we haven't spoken about yet on the podcast, then it's an interesting team, I think, at the moment because Matt, I'm gonna obviously start with you being being in WA, of course, and I don't. There just seems like is there is there a feeling in your eyes that 
because of Stadic and because of the Philippines success and because Alan Stadic is this big managerial figure that this team should have started better than, than what they ultimately have? Firstly, yeah, yes. Um, mm-hmm. People, the league over tipped Glory to make the six. Fans said that there was, was going to be a big change that ultimately I think it was wrong to sort of put that much hope on it. But I think the thing that really annoys me, and seldom did many people get this perspective. Um, yeah, it was Seldom pretty, pretty twice rare. in the t- space of 10 minutes. Yep, sorry about that one. Um, just going through some set data statistical anomalies on my end. Sorry about that, Christian. Um, but look, uh, um, I I had the rare experience of being in Bunbury for that opening game. Um, it was in Bunbury in front of like less than so preseason, yeah, couple hundred people. <laughs> Sorry, what did I say? That was in preseason, not not round one. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was still the opening game of the of the campaign. Of the yeah, the campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, my takeaway from that game was, oh my god, this team is going to be really good. Uh, they wiped victory clean, and victory had a lot of starting players in that team. Uh, Adam Taggart played like out of his skin. Um, there was just a lot of really good vision and a lot of understanding from someone like Oliver Bazanich, even though he's only a lone player, just being in the team, his combination and his understanding with Beavers and Lackman, getting a lot of those balls through transition, constantly sort of offering the attack. And, and I, 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 I shit you not, I've just not, I've not seen that once. I've not seen the combinations. I've not seen the foresight with each other. I've not even seen the tactical sort of. No, because because all of a sudden they've gone to playing a far more direct style than a lot of the freedom they showed mm. initially. And this is the thing that I'm just sort of my mind's sort of boggling about is like Alan Sajic, he he can play a better tactical style, he can open things up, you know, he can utilize there's something Andy Harper said in commentary that's sticking with me, because I I thought it was how the team were gonna play a lot more initially, is you get this this sort of renowned glory style of getting a lot of your wingbacks to come in as an attacking sort of presence. Mm. And that's been completely void and taken away for, for whatever reason. I mean, they produced Josh I mean, but I mean off the hey, back of playing like that. They produced yeah. Josh Rollins off the back of playing like that. You've got yeah. Stefan Kolakowski, who, okay, he's far more attacking than ever to play at that sort of wing wingback. He would never play wingback. But he's a winger that can be utilized, and they're not really giving, giving the space. They're trying to play a really bizarre way. And they've just completely taken that philosophy out the window. So I don't know what Stadio is actually doing, but clearly he's deciding, no, I am actually going to completely phase in a rebuild at the moment. And the team are just playing crap. Like they're just like, they're just, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. just direction. And, and, and I, I think that the biggest thing for, for, for me here is, is to just hold on hope that there's method to the madness, right? Because yeah, the, the, the team have sort of decided to stray away from what they wanted to be and how they were playing previously. And, you know, I would hope that whatever's going on there, that, that they would really be able to to address that. And I also, I think it's really disappointing because the women who are on such a such an incredible run and really are the heartbeat of the football club at the moment, mm. they've lost this weekend and everyone's gone, oh, don't worry, we've got the men on tomorrow. Hopefully they'll turn up. And they were even worse. So, so like, <laughs> a terrible weekend from, from that perspective, right? Um, but, excuse me, I'm choking to death. Jesus. <laughs> what is that? Um, but um, yeah. Look, I, I just I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Matt, Matt just almost died live on the podcast. <laughs> it's not Perth. Let's be honest, though. It's not. It's not Perth. That's, sorry, that's how bad that Perth performance was. It's like making you choke on your own breath. 
So Jesus. Yeah, basically, let's go, let's go with that. But um, clearly, look, it's it's just he's trying to change things up, but we have no evidence of what that change is, right? Well, to your point around fullbacks, I mean, how on earth are you going to get anything from your fullbacks if you're playing two natural centre backs as fullbacks? So, so there, there's that yeah. in Johnny in Johnny Katrumbus and Alex Shushnar. Shushnar, yeah, you know, uh, it's, so it's bizarre. yeah, um, and clearly also that's a, clearly that's a fitness issue with hmm. uh, with Khalifi as well, who's supposed hmm. to sort of. Who can offer that? that yeah, now. we saw we saw Zakovic use Khalifi in that kind of yeah wing back role. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and um, something else I would I would just add is uh, the similar sort of point about um, Newcastle when their foreign recruitment and things like that. When someone like Aaron McInef comes into the team on paper, he looks like an incredible signing. He is only twenty five and he was getting mm. relatively regular game time in Scotland. But again, you know, he's he's super super injury prone. And stuff from he's disappeared. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't around for preseason. He's he's got a long term injury as well. Um, and with a lot of those presences, just especially missing in in midfield, um, the team just it, it 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 looks crap. But like that's where your recruitment, your fitness, and to to be brutally honest with you, um, when I was when I was at the club for a few of the press conferences that, that I'd been doing midweek. Um, I, I just gotta be honest with you, I, I looked around and thought, like this I don't know the ownership the ownership stuff obviously geeked in the gear, but I just looked around and thought, like this club is actually like it's far more closer to Newcastle than some people mm. maybe realise. Um the the physical state, just like the actual state of the way things are being run and, and paint being taken off the walls and things like this. I it kind of, I kind of scared the shit out of me. I'm just going to be brutally honest with you. Um, and I think that the recruitment and the lack of sort of um, earnest intent in the recruitment there is is obviously um, coming from the fact that the, the club are, are in really strife times. Mm. Um, but that being said, um, if you're going to fill your foreign quota, can you please fill it with a player who's not going to be injured all the time? Because a big part of the reason Glory haven't been able to succeed, succeed in the last three or four years is foreign players not starting games. So Please, just that, that something has to be addressed with that. And I want to give I want to give someone like Aaron time as well because he, he is a good head. Um, like he's a very he, he does make a he does make a significant difference when he's available. He's a good yes. player. Yeah. Yes, but yeah. We, you need you need fit players, and, and that's a really really yeah. big problem. Yeah, I mean, you plug him in next to Bazanic instead of Collie, and you've definitely got a a very solid you know midfield two, for example. There. Um. All right, Antonis, what about you? What what are you seeing with Perth? Yeah. Look, in that game. It was just, again, touching on Matt's point about is the method between behind the madness because this definitely feels like madness right now. The other side in Brisbane looked like a side that knew exactly what they wanted to do mm. and they went down and did it. And it was just very stark, the contrast between the two. And you just felt like it was a matter of time until Brisbane went and scored and had their moments, goals cancelled. But yeah, it felt like it was always coming. And it's never a good feeling when you just watch it play out and you're like, yep, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then it just happens. Um, again, I feel like this ownership, you hate talking about it, but it has to take a toll. You know, these guys literally put Perth shirts on and started signing things and taking mm-hmm. pictures with people. You know, it's got to take it out of you when you feel like it's done. And then it's not done. And as I mentioned before, they asked Adjits about, do you have any concerns? And he was very comfortable with the way he was talking about it because obviously he must have been told, yeah, this, this is done. No, it's not done. How, how does it take it out of you? You, 
moved from the other side of Australia for this job on this promise, and suddenly, like Matt mentioned, you may, you end up in a Newcastle Jets situation, which mm. really should be resolved sooner than that one. But it's still an awkward situation to be in. And again, I'm not sure what he's trying to do right now, but he's proven in the past that he is a very good football coach. And yeah, we'll see. Sometimes it takes some time. You know, I'm going to come back to the familiar example in Adelaide with Yossam Gombau, which it just was not working for the beginning. But, you know, slowly, slowly people started realizing, oh, we can see what he's trying to do and then we're backing him despite the losses. I know it's Apple's... The, 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 thing, the thing, I'm going to just push back slightly because the style of football here is really important. Like, so Stadich, yeah, yeah. we know, when we go back to the Mariners team, for example, that Stadich had, we know that was a really hard to beat team. Like, it was defensively solid and it built from there. Now, I, I think that's what he's trying to do here. But I think fundamentally, like, there are players in certain roles that just don't mm. suit them. And also, I think, like, look, we liked, we all like Daniel Benny here, right? We do, okay? But I don't, honestly, now I'm seeing a few games, I actually don't know if he's ready to start at this level yet. I, I just don't think he is. And he just seems to have this kind of trust I, in it. I got that impression. In a yeah, really yeah. Like, today I was watching him. Said. I just thought, I just think he's a little, like, he's, he's not confident yet. He's not really ready. And I think another thing is, like, you know, was. Whereas I see Kolakowski come off the bench and like, listen, start him. Like, you know, like I, I start him over Carluccio, for example, for, you know, and also... Carluccio was one of the better players this afternoon. Maybe, maybe sorry, maybe... <laughs> I, I'm just trying to say, find find, <laughs> find a spot for Kolakowski, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in, in the 11. Um, And, you know, I guess, I know, I don't know, Matt was, <laughs> we were talking today and Taggart was offside like 20 times in the game, but I feel like Taggart, still feel like he seems from a fitness standpoint, like maybe he's in a good spot and he could still lead the team from the front. But, you know, maybe that's where you start and you go, okay, how can we build around supplying, you know, supplying a good supply line essentially for someone like Adam Taggart? And if we can do that, okay, and and we can get Adam Taggart scoring goals again, right, now we can go from there and actually build something. But I don't know. I just, I feel like there's certain maybe personnel selection that isn't quite right. And I feel like whatever reason... Maybe Antonis was right in the sense that if he's setting up the team to play a certain way, it still needs time, regardless of whether that's being a possession-based front foot team. Yeah. But it's also about that, again, Matt mentioned the expectations coming to this year, but it was never going to be as simple. You know, it's not a side that just underperforms for a year. It's a side that, you know, this has been them the last few years, and you have to iron that out. So, you know, the goal for me, at least this year, is... Be competitive and just have the way you want to play. And by the end of the year, you should know, these are my guys and I need to bring in a bit more to reinforce. And who are you going to ship out to? You're going to bring in Perth and again, Newcastle, like we said before, just need some clarity. That's all they need. It's what's been missing for a while. You just need someone that you know you can trust. And we know we can trust Alan Stadges because he's proven that before that this is our guy. This is how he wants to play. Let's back him now to do what he wants to do. And then we'll see how it plays out. But again, it's not an overnight job. And quickly, just, just before yeah, we man. move on, um, there was a piece, um, from, from, uh, Ben, Ben Smith of the West Australian. It's, it's free to read, whereas most of the articles are paywalls. And the reason it's free to read is it's basically an open message of a man who has been covering the Perth glory passionately for several years of his life basically saying, sort this out, please. Like, 
I, mm. I cannot bear to stand the state of this football club anymore. You need to sort this out. Um, and if someone like Ben is coming out and saying that. Yeah, look, I think people need to understand with Perth too. Like, you know, it's not like Newcastle in a sense where, and, and I don't mean any sort of disrespect to any Newcastle supporters out there when I say this, but Newcastle, and and correct me if I'm wrong on the history here, was more of, you know, a franchise brought out from essentially the creation of the A-League. Whereas Perth Glory, like, this is a club who has roots in the NSL. It's a very proud club that we're talking about here. So, you know, it's, yeah, it, it, it's this is really, it'd be a very difficult scenario here for, for very much Perth Glory supporters because, you know, you you feel like a new owner's coming in. You feel like there's optimism. You see someone of the personality and profile of Alan Stadich and you think, okay, right, now we can, you know, and the last time they had a manager with a big profile, Tony Popovich, okay, you know, and we saw how that went, um, was was really good. So there's that optimism, and then when it's quickly taken away, that's where things can get, um, yeah, can get very, very depressing, really. Um, Caden, what about you? How are you seeing Perth at the moment? Yeah, well, look, I, I agree with what all you guys said. I do want to just give a quick shout-out, though, to Cameron Cook. I think yeah. he's a really yeah. good young goalkeeper. Um, with a big future ahead of him. I thought he played really well today. Um, despite the loss, he made five great saves and, but yeah, like you, I basically agree with everything you guys said. Start Kolakovsky. I'm not sure why he's not starting. He started in the grand final that one year and scored, I'm pretty sure. Uh, a few you, years. You know the fun- sorry, the funny thing about Kolakovsky is like, you know, like he never, he never went. Like he never got worse. Like you know what I mean. Like he just wasn't right. played. Like yeah, oh, yeah. I can I look? I can actually open open up on that. Yeah, yeah. Ruben sure. basically came out at the time and said that he was he was intending to play a certain formation where Golikovsky was going to be like the linchpin in it, and it basically completely fell apart with some other signings that were made thereafter. Um, and that changeover basically led to Collar not being able to play many game time. And and also, uh, the recruitment that they got on the wings on either side, you had Ryan Williams, who was literally one of the best players in the competition, and Sylvan Khalifi, who was an incredible uh, foreign mm. player. So even in the spaces where Kolakowski could play, he wasn't going to be getting in. So I, I get that. What I, if I just one thing is remember, like let's not forget there was a point there where like it was like Kolakowski and Tilio at City, for example, are kind of on yeah. that almost like same level. Like, that's what I mean. So, yeah. like, this is a no, guy who's very much, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. And, I, and, and you know, I wouldn't blame him if if he uh, if he sort of left the club through through frustration. But he also, yeah. he seems to me anyway, as though he is expecting things to change. So, this sort of big change that we're talking about with that one, Stadjic, you can bet someone like Stefan is, is the one that's really saying to him, can we try this? Can we try that? Can we try this? Can we try that? And eventually, if we see a lot of those changes manifest into something, and I'm not saying, by the way, that this is something that's going to click into gear straight away. It could be a few months down the track. It could literally be next season. Um, but I'm expecting a lot of that to sort of mold into, this is the talent that we have at the club now. Let's try and expand on that and go forward. But I, I also, I, I definitely sympathize with all of the parties that were involved with um, Stefan not making it through last season. I think... Um before I throw back to Caden as well, it does seem like Stadjic has a plan for him though in the sense that it seems like he comes off the bench kind of every game around the 60th minute. So like it's always, yeah. Steph, you're going to get your 30, 35 minutes off the bench kind of every game. We know you're an impact and, and stuff. He's, yeah. he's already scored a few times. Like he's That's made right. his impact. Yeah. So he's, he's there. 
he's there and he's and he's being utilized and he is showing his, his talent. But I also think that with the mess that they've got going on with how they're starting games, I'm not sure that I even want him on the pitch to, to begin with, be, being brutally honest, because mm. because there's no defined plan yet. It's a mm. work in progress. Caden, sorry, we uh we, we went on our Kolakowski tangent. What the <laughs> no, no, that was basically my point really. Um yeah, that was basically all I had, I think. Yeah. Damn it, Matt, we're such we're such dickheads. Um... No, right. no, I was I was but did you did you have any other thoughts? What about what about actually I'll ask you about Daniel Benny because we kind of mentioned it there and we know he's got talent, but we're not seeing that at the moment. Do you think maybe a change could could come there? Um, potentially. I think I mean he's only seventeen, so he's, mm. I think you just gotta give him time. Uh especially getting used to playing at this kind of level. This sort of ga- the game pace is probably a lot higher than he's used to. So I think you just got to. I, I would just stick with him for the okay. season and just see what happens. Um, I'm just a big believer in just these young guys in Australia, just giving them a chance. Like not just even like what you said with Kolakowski getting 30 minutes. I much rather him just play full 90 and maybe not do very much. But I think that will just be a lot more beneficial down the line for Perth rather than just taking 30 minutes off the bench every week. I think it's just yeah. yeah. I, I I disagree with that only in the sense that that you need a team that actually knows what it's doing capably, mm. and mm. I, I don't think you're seeing a lot of that. But also, if we could just actually speak further to this about the fact that your two options to partner tag it if you're playing with two up front is an undercooked seventeen year old, or how old is David Williams? Thirty six, thirty seven, thirty five. So. Yeah. You're talking about two guys that aren't going to be fit in terms of one's too inexperienced and one genuinely is going to struggle to get fit because he's nearly in his 40s. Is that not a major red flag? Like, And also, actually... Also, you got Luke Ivanovich as well. I've never actually liked Luke Ivanovich that much. Um, and I oh, no, Antonis is offended. Uh, I can't <laughs> believe he's been at the club for as long as he has done because his impact has been sparse and he's better off somewhere else. But, look... Um, we, we, we have an issue. We have an issue where whatever is being tried in an attacking sense with either Williams or Benny, you're not really getting a lot of success out of it. Mm-hmm. Would you be better off? And again, I'm just spitballing here. I'm just thinking out loud to better suit someone like a Kolakowski, play five in midfield and leave Taggart as a sole striker. Yeah. That, I, that's, I don't, I don't that's what I, no, honestly, that, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, and yeah, also, my I've defense got a for, solution yeah. if you want to hear it. Well, can, just one thing. My defense for Benny would be: I think he's kind of being played out of position as well. So, so there's kind of that too. I think going back when I first saw him, I think we all first saw him was that under 17 Asian Cup, and he seemed very much like an out and out winger to me. And it seems like he's being shoehorned into this kind of second striker role, playing off target, and I don't really see that. And just in general, before I throw in Turnus, I think. I mentioned it before. I'd be worried from a Perth perspective that you may be wasting like a potentially good target season. I honestly, I don't know what it is, but I know he was offside a few times today and he would have done a lot of people's heads in. But I feel fitness-wise, like he's in a really good condition. And I think if you can't make the most of that before maybe he gets some sort of injury, then that's, that's you know, you don't yeah. want that, right? I think that's where, looking back on our on Stadich teams, the way he utilised a four-two-three-one with Sam Kerr at the head of it yeah. at Matildas, um, that's exactly what I could see mm. uh, this Perth team moulding into. 
Mm. Um, whether or not that's executed comes down to the players within the team now. And also, oh, I think you could, you could get that. That would also be a really good role eventually for some of the percentage as well. Just thinking out loud, Amini, Amini and uh, McInerney is the deeper lowering players. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it yeah. actually seems yeah. really good in theory. Yeah. But whether or not that can actually be executed, you know, who knows? Mm. Antonis? Um, just with Benny first, um, we talked about it with Hadley United as well, but when you play these young players, you mm. also have to make sure you protect them as well because the last thing you want is getting a very talented young player that you're backing to become a very good player, just losing all the con- all his confidence playing in a inconsistent side, not getting much of the ball, confidence getting shot. So even if he's ready, he's not ready, you have to manage that. Number two, you want a striker. Um, Son James Tomalkovsky and get the popcorn now. That's what I want. Uh, what's the Rio Ferdinand? Let him put the... How does it come <laughs> right, It's not going to be much money, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't even yeah. have to do that. That would be let interesting. Him, let him cook. That, that's, <laughs> the, that's the selected meme here. Let him cook. Yeah, but does James Tomalkovsky want to relocate the WA is the big question. Hey, it's a professional contract. Of course he does. Yeah, true. Um... Yeah, so no, it's it's a good point you mentioned though because you got to be careful with someone like Benny. If he's starting every week, he's not getting service. The team's maybe losing. If this was to get worse, then you yeah you shoot his confidence and you don't want that either. So that's where my I would slightly disagree, Caden, with what you're saying a little bit too. Where we've got to be careful in a situation where the team maybe isn't performing. It's just okay. Let's throw the youngsters out there because we've got to give them minutes. Well, yeah. I see the upside of it, but you got to be careful because you don't want to then just ruin these guys if they're if they're not ready. So, yeah, something to keep an eye on uh, there. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we've got uh, yeah, we've got a fun segment planned. Okay, so let's move on to our third part. Now, we're not going to focus on a team or a coach or anything like that. Um, we're going to go a bit more general. Now, as someone who listens to a few different podcasts, I can't say that this is an original idea, kind of taken off probably one of my NBA uh, podcasts that I listen to. Yes, big big NBA fan here. Um, but the segment that we're going to do, and uh, look, listen, at the end of the day, I ask, I ask people every week, you know, feel free to suggest any segments you want us to do. I don't get any feedback, so I've just kind of gone, you know what, screw it. I'll, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll create one that we could do this week. Um, it's called Half-Baked Takes. Um, and essentially what that means is, is kind of takes that you have that you're not really about, about anything to do with the A-League at the moment, that you're not really sold on. You're not kind of gonna, you know, essentially serve it. You know, you're still, you're still cooking it. You're still kind of thinking about it and, uh, and whether it's kind of something that you want to commit to essentially. Um, basically something that you're keeping an eye on. Let's put it that way. Um, and yeah. So, so that's what we've, we've done. We've all come up with. <laughs> A half baked take, essentially, on on anything to do with the A League right now. So, um, you know what, Antonis, you're gonna no, st- you give us yours first. <laughs> no, no, I go last. I'm the host. I can do whatever the hell I want. Um, come on, <laughs> no, 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 no. All right, no, either Antonis or Matt. I'm not going to say Caden's going first because it's first I'm time on the podcast. I'm happy to go. I'm happy to get my neck. All right, fine. You know what, I'm. I'm the whipping boy of this podcast, so I'm happy to get, get... <laughs> yeah, you've become the whipping boy this year. Matt, do you want to go or do you want me to go? <laughs> Sorry. Meme. Off off air meme. Um Matt, Matt, do you want to go or do you want me to lead this? 
Uh, I'm happy to because I know exactly what I've got to say. Oh, see, there you go. There's, there's I a committed. Was happy to go. <laughs> there is a committed member of the FPF family. Uh, see what I'm yeah. talking about? What I have to put up here. Cool. So this one is cooking in the oven. This um, yep. baked good is cooking in the oven um, because it, it quite literally is going to have to be given time. But uh, we are on the verge of seeing an Adelaide 2015-2016 type turnaround from someone in the A-League, be it Melbourne City, be it Sydney, be it Western United, and they're going to come through and, and storm for a successful finals campaign. Um, just because I refuse to believe that these sides, with their depth, with their talent, with their form, with their squad, with factors factors X, uh, Y, and Z, that you know these clubs are, are prime for success, and we've seen it with City in particular with how well they're performing in Asia. Uh, that one of these sides has to turn turn around their poor form and and, and really kick on and so and so you're talking about probably City, Western, and Sydney. Those are the three clubs you're talking about, really. Uh, let's see, let's see, Mark. Those uh, maybe maybe Mariners. If Mark Jackson can actually get it together, and make make a crucial sign, mm-hmm. and actually Mark Jackson's doing a gear more. That would what the hell? That would be like the perfect example of it. Foreign coach <laughs> actually would a little bit out of, looking a little bit out of his depth. Turns it around in like round twelve, gets foreign players up and firing. Fuck it. That, that's the prediction now. <laughs> Mariners, Mariners to do Adelaide 2015-2016, but obviously they've only had one win now, so it's... Um... <laughs> oh, man. I just, I just have to say, that's one more than Adelaide had at this stage of 15-16, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, the, the only other side of that is, look, you can't, you can't look too much into this sort of stuff, but definitely there was a feeling of relief, it felt, with the Mariners at full-time, kind of, against mm. Newcastle. You felt that. But there also did feel like a sense of, you know, like, we needed that to make sure the players know that they still have it, essentially. Not so much that we needed that because we're a disaster. More like, if we get this now, okay, now we can kick on from here and get back to... Mariners of of twenty uh twenty two twenty three. But also also yeah. what is so intriguing about it is that they've got this AFC Cup campaign that's going really well, bumbling in the background, where they actually started with the loss away in Malaysia, and then have just become like giga chads of the competition thereafter, right? And it's like, it's like, uh, how is Mark Jackson as coach seeing a side that can score eight goals and a side that Go must drop anything? So Sorry, no. Sorry, you know what was really funny about this as well? No one really clicked upon it. And and I know she was talking about league wins, but when Neve Owens went and interviewed uh, Mark Jackson after the game, she goes, like, well done on your first win as Mariners coach. And she's, like, completely disregarding all the AFC Cup stuff. Because <laughs> cause at the end of the day, like, they're guaranteed wins. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, yeah, no, and I remember right. hearing it and just going, like, oh, right, yeah. But also, um, this week coming, they've got to go on. Uh, oh, actually, they might be at home. Uh I really should have looked this up before I made this point. Did, didn't you make this um, mistake at the start of the podcast yeah. as well? Uh, you talked him into the Mariners, though. Yeah, are, I didn't actually come prepared for this. Yeah. They're at home to say. victory. Remember, they're at home to victory next week. Yeah, can you, if, if you're doing research right now, can you just look up? Because the 29th and 30th is all the AFC games. Oh, so you, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They so are that, at home. They're at home. Yep. They're at home to, uh, to Terengani. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Terengganu is the team they lost away That's to right. in Malaysia, yes. right? So it's a really crucial fixture for them to submit their premacy, supremacy in the group. Then, sorry, sorry. Their next three home games all comps. Sorry, their next three games all comps are at home. So yeah, 
uh, which is which is really important. And mm. it's it's also you know, I do wonder if that can almost spark a bit more of a belief in a bit more of an understanding. Or, you know, you go, I suppose you could look at it from the other angle of the opponents that they're playing are too weak and they're struggling to balance that with playing against more competitive A-leg sides. I'd argue, though, anyone who knows anything about the AFC Cup is that it's designed really poorly because of the way they sort of geographically break it all down, but it gets harder and harder as you go through the bracket thereafter. Mm. So, if anything, they're going to be playing sides that are a lot better or a lot more competitive, uh, sides from Central Asia, where they may have to do some pretty sturdy away trips. Um, and we saw the Sydney FC's women's side going to Uzbekistan. Not very fun. So I would expect the Mariners to sort of kick it, kick it into gear and, and get a bit better in the coming weeks. That being said, Sydney as well, City as well. I mean, these teams, these teams have it in them to, to really spark that turnaround. Any of them could do it. And, um, I, I'd also, just from a personal perspective, because I spoke to John Aloisi in round 26 last year after they found out that they had finished seventh. And I distinctly remember a lot of the aura in that room being of someone who, you know, he was talking about going to Tarnate to play games in Tarnate. He was talking about just mm. having a very spirited squad. And then he recruited bowlers in the offseason. I mean, this is a team with Daniel Pena in it, for goodness sake. And the fact that they've still not actually decided to click it into gear. You know, I was actually quite quite proud of myself that I made this really big prediction with Western United after literally one game that ended up coming to fruition. <laughs> and then... Now, you know, I'm in a really tricky spot where, like, I believe in the project a lot there, and it seems like the club believe in the project, but the results aren't going their way. So I just, yeah. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the, a lot of those bottom clubs and just thinking, one of you are going to end up in the six, and I not. Western, so I felt, mind. I actually felt weirdly, although today I think they played into Adelaide's hands, I still felt it was probably one of their better performances out of those four losses that they had. So, yeah, at least. what's that? Creatively, at least. Yeah, creatively. I think. What's weird though, Matt, is defensively, which is what their championship win was built on, they seem like a shambles. And also, like, yeah. when they press, like, it's lethargic, it's slow, it's easy to play out of. Like, I mean, Isaias was having a field day today. Like, that's thank you very much, you know? So, yeah. You'd, you'd wonder if um, you'd have to sort of run the numbers on the turnover there that they've had, though, mm. uh, because I think defensively is the majority of where that turnover's come from. You know, your other halfback take could have been is. Has the Football Friends pod completely cursed Western United and Ben Garuccio? <laughs> I thought Ben Garuccio played really well today. Those he's actually been okay. He's actually been playing he, okay. Yeah. He's yeah. had a couple of unfortunate moments in previous games, mm. but he was superb today, especially in the first half, I'd say. Mm. Mm. Okay. Matt, anything you want to... So your, your, your halfback take is basically either one of Mariners, City, Sydney, or Western could go on an insane run and actually be like a semi-finalist. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Caden, uh, screw Antonis. He's going last. Caden, uh, you, <laughs> you you go next. Okay. My take is another Melbourne City-related one. It's more on Callum Talbot specifically. Ooh. I think he is not good enough for Melbourne City. And a lot of the other clubs in this league. I, I know he's like under 23 Australian captain, but I see like defensively, he makes a lot of errors defensively. Last year I saw, um, uh, my god, I just blanked on the name of the player. That's all right. The, in the other assistant coach, Scott Jamison. Scott Jamison really got into him a lot last season. You, that didn't show up on the cameras a lot. Mm-hmm. I just think, 
he's a player that's struggling. I don't know if it's just a system thing or or what, but I feel like he's really struggling in the A-League in the last season and a half. Hmm. Jeez, okay. Whoa. All right. Um, my eyebrows almost burned off. Um, no. So, so your, your take is essentially Count Talbot might not be good enough for a team of Melbourne City's ambitions, essentially. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, it's not, look, it's not, it's not massively. Matt, let, uh, Matt, I'm going to, I'm going to throw to you because you would have seen a lot of Count Talbot. Uh, <laughs> you're like shocked I'm throwing you. Um, Count Talbot, obviously with the Ollie Roos. So have you, like, is this is this something that you think is could be true, or is this like a massive overreaction? Or I think I think the role is very different, and I think um, mm. to draw the parallel with sort of the Daniel Benny conversation that you're having uh, earlier, mm. when you're in the national setup and your role tends to be a lot more direct, if that makes sense, um, because there's multiple options to choose from. Everything becomes very streamlined, and you're typically more than likely to perform far better. Um, especially when it's when it's sort of for, for, sort of for a youth national team, um, and I think to draw a direct comparison with is Callum Talbot developing well as a player? Does he fit in at Melbourne City? With you know, how has Callum Talbot the individual been developing overall? Is he is he sort of worth the performances that he's been putting in for the Oliveros? I, I understand the crux of the argument. I just fundamentally don't know if it's actually one that we can we can have on that level. Um, yeah. because yeah. yeah, he has, he has certainly been pretty good, um, across the board, but I understand the wider conversation in terms of if Melbourne City have higher ambitions, they're probably better off getting more experience. In those Look, let's, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to, my take is Melbourne City related too. So we're, 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 let's hold off though. Cause I want to talk about this more. So Kane, if I ask you just straight away, if so, so Scott Galloway for you should basically just start over Carl Talbot right now. I mean. Probably not, to be honest, but I just don't think they, they, I just think they need someone better to fill uh-huh. in that role. I, I notice with Melbourne City a lot, they, their right back is a lot more, in, more like an inverted fullback, kind of yeah. like Kyle Walker from Manchester City. Yeah. Um, they, where they have the left is the one who gets forward, where we saw Jordan Boss dominate that role last season. Did, can I ask you, sorry, sorry, can I ask you, because this kind of ties into what I'm going to get into. As well, did you feel like they were trying to do the same thing with Talbot in terms of so that w- that's what you'd call a defensive inverted fullback, where he just kind of tucks yeah, yeah. in as a right-sided centre back? Did you feel like they did that against Wellington? Um, probably not as not as good as not to a good enough level. I don't think they they were definitely trying it. I still think, um, but I think also he's been allowed to get a bit more forward than he has in previous years. Um but yeah, I think yeah. So yes, to answer your question. Yeah, yeah so because because what I'm getting at is maybe with him they're trying to get him to play like yeah, like that Carl Walker role like you're saying. That's something that Rado Vidicic did in Adelaide. Um when 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 City came to Adelaide mm. and I I looked at it and I couldn't believe like why you would do that. Because, like, that's a player that could actually provide something, maybe in an attacking sense, like as is Bayage. And I just didn't fundamentally understand it. And this is going to tie into what I'm about to get into. If Aurelio Vidmar is doing the same thing, is Melbourne City really that different at the moment? Um, and on that note, I think I'm just going to get into my take because we're just perfectly leading there, which essentially is everyone wanted to harp on about Rado and Melbourne City. 
but is the reality that this team is just not structured correctly. Um, and for me, this this squad and the recruitment has been poor. But from from what I'm seeing so far, and I guess my take would be that the the squad construction is poor, and it's why you know Melbourne City won't be the Melbourne City that we've seen in recent years. I mean, you look at basically just 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 in a vacuum. Okay, so we've been we've been actually talking about this Caden um, off air, um, and I know Jake who's in Melbourne as well. Lecky comes back. What do you do then? Okay, because now you've got to essentially like you you fundamentally can't fit in Arslan, Yakalis, uh, McLaren, Natel, and Lecky in one lineup. That's I mean you can do that if you want, but that's suicide. Uh, um, you know from a from a defensive standpoint. So there's that. Oh, and Saki as well. There's that. Okay, so then I was watching them against Wellington. I was thinking, okay, McLaren obviously you know McLaren has to start. We know that Arslan has to start. Of course, he's probably their best player yeah. based on what I'm seeing. Yeah. And Saki, I think, also should start. I think he's good enough. So I, I want those three guys starting, okay? But I still need a six of some sort. So really, Yagakovic has start. Okay, so I have to drop either one of Yakalis or Natel, probably. But then, like, still, it doesn't really make sense from a system point of view because how are you going to, like, I just don't think you can play Saki, like, the way they're playing right now. Saki is kind of having to drop a little bit deeper with Yugarkovic at times so he can get involved in the game. And I don't really think that's his game. And I actually think Saki and Arslan both should be should be operating higher, closer to McLaren. But then if you do that, Steve Yugarkovic is going to be a lone six. And as I've kind of mentioned already on the pod, I don't think Steve Yugarkovic is fundamentally good enough to play in that role. Look, at the end of the day, Aiden O'Neill was a unique play in the sense that I don't think they could have just, you sell Aiden O'Neill and, oh, there's another guy that we can just get to come and do that role. Like, he's he was very unique in what he was able to do where you had a guy who was really good on the ball so he could control a game from a six position. But then also, when he lost the ball, he was always in the right spot to mop up loose balls or protect his back four. You're just not going to get that with Steve Yugarkovich. You just aren't, fundamentally. I mean, Steve Yugarkovich, if we're looking at when he's at Wellington... He had, and, and I, I, I said this to you guys as well, where Melbourne City should have gone and gone Clayton Lewis as well and played those two as two sixes, it, literally in their system. And they, I think, just that alone could have fundamentally, you know, changed the outlook for them at the moment. But Steve Yugarkovic is a guy for me who needs someone next to him, you know, both in possession and both out of possession to help cover the distances. And at the moment, he doesn't have that. That's hurting them defensively. I mean, they're getting killed in transition. Wellington were just loving it because all they had to do was basically sit back and then they could hit them with Barbarossas and Kryev. I mean, I'm just going on a rant here now. But is, also, can I just say something quickly about Melbourne yeah. City? Yeah. Um, having watched their entire uh, Champions League campaign and, and been like, like very impressed with uh-huh. what's been offered, the games where they excelled, they were almost like more on the back foot. Um, yeah. And I'm yeah. just wondering if you, do you approach a game where they, they played Buriram at home and they actually had a lot more attacking freedom. They had more of the ball, and they ended up being a worse side as a result because mm. you're getting a lot of that compact in val- in sort of value. Well, because I think it leaves them exposed in and... transition when they have to open the yeah. game up and 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 yeah, dominate possession. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. kind of when, what I'm getting. They're at. on the front foot. They really struggle as a, as a, as a team. Um, I'm I'm going through minds about also just sort of their their options out wide going forward because Yakalis looks like a like a really, really quality player, mm. but he just hasn't put in the full package yet. Actually, oh, the game against Sydney he probably did. Here's, so here's the uh, thing. 
Yeah. Yeah, go on. No, go on. Yeah, no, because I just want to get to this with Natel. And fundamentally, I look at Natel and I think, why on earth would you sign? Like, I, 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 I know, I think because it's a bit of lecky insurance a little bit, you know, but also it's kind of like, you know, did you really think Lecky was going to like, you know, he's going to be back soon, right? Like, it's it's not like he was going to miss the whole season. Like, I don't think... Wasn't the have... injury supposed to be worse? Wasn't it feared to be worse? Because I think that was the logic behind well, it. Caden, Caden, you well, weigh in here because I might not have all the facts yet. He, well, he had a setback. So he was originally meant to be back sooner, but then he had a setback in training and that's why he's still out. So, um... Oh. If... So, yeah. if... Yeah, if I remember right, like when he first went down, they feared it to be long time, like it's a long-term injury. And then Natal was signed and suddenly the season was rolling around and we're being told about, oh, he might be available for the first couple of weeks. Mm. And then he had that setback. So I don't yeah. know, it kind of weirded me out how that whole thing played out. But I agree with what you're saying, Christian. Well, so no, the reason why as well, though, is we're forgetting someone like Alessandro Lapane, who's looked decent when he's played. I mean, surely he could have been that insurance option and now you're basically prioritizing Natel, a loan signing, a foreigner, who's taken those minutes and hasn't I mean, I thought it was shocking against Wellington to be honest. And I just don't fundamentally understand that as a signing. And more to the point, like, you know, you look at Terry Antonis, I mean, why? Like just 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 fundamentally, why was he signed? I, I don't get it. You know, it almost felt like they signed him because we need an extra midfielder for our squad an experienced midfielder, and he's the best that's available. Renato, and- sorry, in, in the off-season, if you look back on it and who the signings were that were the first signings, yeah. Renato clearly had an experienced first. I know, and this is what answer. I'm getting at, where this is yeah. not Melbourne City like we've seen. Melbourne City is, we're going to get the best available. We're going to go and get Marco Tilio from, Melbourne, uh, from Sydney FC because we know that he's going to be one of the top wingers in this league in, you know, six, 12 months or whatever, and he's going to be contributing for us at a high level. For me, it just seems like they're settling for these experienced signings. And yeah, I think, but also I think tactically, it's just not working, whatever they're trying to do. And also because I, I don't think really Vidmar's actually changed much tactically. That's the other thing, which I'm trying to, which I'm seeing with this team is that in the first game, and Caden wrote an article about this, he went very basic, 4 4 2 you know, just basically get a result because the team needs it, whatever. You kind of just if, write that if one I off. I can actually jump in yeah. to, to, to Aurelius' defense there, though. To be honest, you, there because a lot of these signings, uh, it was it was clear, like, you're going to go for a lot of flair with foreign players, but you're also going to sort of mold in with a lot of experience. And there was no defined identity. And still to this point, with the games that Rado played and the, the high downside that you saw in it, there was no defined identity in how the team was playing. So for, for Vidmar to come into that, He's got to go back to basics. He's got to. But I, I'm back. defending. That's I'm defending him. Is what I'm saying to you because yeah. what I'm what I'm about to say is, I don't think he can really change the tactical profile because I, I just think the team is fundamentally flawed in the way that it was built, and that's and, yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, also, with, and also with the City Football Group Club, mm. there is a they they are tall. They they want to always play the same way as yeah. Pep's team. That's, and I don't think coaches get a lot of tactical freedom in Melbourne City. I think they're just uh, told just kind of be a good man manager and just kind of help the young guys develop into these roles because they want – that's the whole idea behind the City football group. They all just want to feed best – best case scenario, they feed players into the 
into the Manchester City team, like we saw with Aaron Roy. Um, and I think that's kind of what... So I think what we're seeing now with Patrick Casnova at Trois, I think now that he's kind of got a bit more... Even though it's still a City Football Group club, he's got a bit more freedom there. And now we're seeing him struggle because he's not able to just rely yeah, on... Maybe, maybe he's system. suited, yeah, maybe he's suited coaching that specific philosophy, but, yeah, you know, and, yeah. Yeah, and then when Rado came in, he struggled doing that, and I think also he just struggled getting the respect from a lot of the players as well. That's yeah. a whole other story. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, I think, I think still Rado, you know, it was the right decision. I think the part ways with Rado. I think no yeah, one's, definitely. no one's, yeah, no, no one's, no one's saying that. Um, no one's saying that it wasn't. But I think. Basically, whatever way I kind of move the chess pieces in the city team to think about a way, basically, where you can get the balance of satisfying the big personalities and making sure everyone's happy with minutes, essentially, and, and all that sort of stuff, whilst actually having tactically a team which isn't going to get, you know, opened up in transition every game. I, I it, just, it just seems like the latter always comes about where you've just got two, basically, it's too top heavy as a, as a squad, I feel. And it doesn't have the right balance from a midfield perspective either. And whatever way you try and change it up, you kind of kind of end up with almost like a suicide ball lineup. So, you know, and look, maybe they should lean into that and just go, look, we're just going to go and win games 5-3. But I don't know. Um, I, I just don't, from what I'm seeing these last couple of weeks, watching them, I just don't think that the team has been built right. Um, and it's very uncharacteristic of what we've seen from Melbourne City in terms of recruitment. Okay, any Matt, did you want to add anything on this? No, no, no one. Else? Okay, Antonis, uh, let's get to let's get to your uh, your halfback take. And best for last, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, I'm going to go to Sydney FC, mm. and still early, like I said, still a lot to play oh, out. We are two good. games in the Ufuktale era. But again, my oven has just been turned on. My take is you're not getting a new Sydney FC. You're just getting a fresh lick of sky blue paint on the good old... <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew I was going to say this. Arnie Corica system. What, what the fuck, Antonis? I've li- Sorry, I've been saying that for like three years. <laughs> you're, you're not... How are you saying years when the guy got hired two weeks ago? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's like, Max, I cooked this take in the oven like three years ago. Yeah, I could have told you that in my sleep. saying whatever I was saying. No, 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 I'm sorry. But it's, I know it's been pretty obvious with Corica. I've called him Arnie Light in the past. Seriously. I'm talking about the new guy that's come in with new expectations, new promises, all that stuff. He's a guy from the tree. You know, he's another Arnie, you know, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt to begin with. That's why it's half-baked. I'm not going to call him Sydney FC prototype straight away. <laughs> but early on, this is my take. That's it. There's it's no just, need to not, be... It's not fresh, exciting. It's not, you know, like the, the pastries and the, and the bread. It's, it's, it's like... Bread, it's, it, that's why it's half-baked. It ain't done. It's just not. It's not insightful. It's what everyone thinks about Sydney FC. I'm not talking about Sydney FC. I'm talking about the new manager that came in. Yeah, yeah. But, but what, what did everyone say about Talley when he was appointed? It's nothing. That it was exactly the same. <laughs> that he's come from the same mold of management. Yeah, but the whole point of this was what we've been doing right now. That's really worked. This manager's been trying to take us out of it slowly. Right, I'm right. talking Matt, about Matt. going back. 
Matt, let Matt. I don't disagree, but I don't think that's entirely true in terms of what the total discourse was. I actually do think there was a lot of Sydney fans who went, "Oh, Talley, like, yeah, great," because he's got like, and they kind of didn't really connect with the fact that. Listen, we're all we're all we're, we're all agreeing with the take. Yeah. Right? We're not right. So okay. Matt Matt's basically just saying that it's not <laughs> that it's not half baked. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks he's he thinks oh, been fully back like twice. It's a new manager. It's yeah, a new manager. I, I, guess so, I guess so. But also the thing I would say is um to Christian's point, ironically enough, Antonis, I should probably let you speak more. I apologize. I'm probably being a bit rude. But just to Christian's point about the youth development, where do you where do you sit on that? Well, I was going there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah before yeah, you rudely really interrupted him. <laughs> oh, that's why I'm saying it's a new manager and you start from the beginning. It doesn't matter what he's background is because at the same time I can say that Robbie Stanton's creating a Sydney FC in Newcastle. Um he's not. Um but when we're talking about this I've, my next point literally written down is it can obviously work if you get your foreigners right, but is this the direction Sydney FC want to go down in? Does Sydney FC have a direction they want to go down in? Because I'm not sure. You know, I think, because, I think their direction is follow the crowd. The crowd being Adelaide and the Mariners, and I don't think it's a work straight away. Yeah, but I don't think again. I don't think Sydney FC's model is that because you know even in his mm, introductory mm. press conference when he said this line always comes back to me. I can't remember the whole thing, but he wanted to be like iconic or something along those lines, and I'm like iconic. Uh, uh, it's just almost insane. almost like I, I think maybe what he's trying to say was we want kind of big names like this this yeah. club is synonymous with it's very Alessandro bling. Del Fiero it's, to Australia yeah it's very bling FC but yeah. you know he started by playing um, De Jesus right back he's played Jane Kucharski but again I don't know I don't know who Sydney FC I mentioned that earlier that's why I said I've shattered this coming because I don't know who Sydney FC are at the moment I don't think they know who are at the moment it does feel like we mentioned a, a very Sydney FC prototype the last six seven years we'll see what direction they're going but yeah early days I am going to the expectation I guess is what Matt was saying that Arnie down to Corica tried to change Leopard can't really change the spots. And now down to Uffi, who, yeah, I believe will... Who, who was an assistant under Corriga. Yeah, anyway. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But that's why I'm saying that. You have to give him the benefit of the doubt because the new guy through the door. He yeah. hasn't, unlike um, Corriga, because Corriga was his assistant, went into the main job. Uffi had to go off and do his own thing. Yeah, I know, but he, he kind of went to Wellington and played the city style. like. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fine. But again... yeah. Is can you say Robbie Stanton's playing the Sydney style? No, no, not. Well, no. that's what I mean. Like, it's he is formation wise, he kind of is. But anyway, no, it's a new coach, new thing. You know, yeah. you bring in a new coach again. We've been talking about Sydney. Who is Sydney FC without its heroes? That's what we're trying to figure out now, and I can't see it changing anytime soon, just because the guy at the seat. Has changed. I'd love to see a change. I'd love to see him back his kids, and instead of just bringing in these superstars, you kind of create them. They're not going to be around forever, but they're yours. You make them, and they're not going to the Wanderers. They're not going to Melbourne City. But yeah, we'll see. I did. I did feel like taking off the Jesus for Grant at halftime was a very Steve Corrigan yeah, decision. Uh, let, let me just yeah. Yeah, that's where this came from. Like because yeah. 
you start off, I think, saying, oh, De Jesus is starting and Kucharski's had this great game against Adelaide. And I was really uninspired by it. Number one, taking him off at halftime for Grant, who just went and did the same thing he did against Melbourne City a couple of weeks back. And you're thinking, like, is this the same Ryan Grant we know, number one? And then Kucharski, who, of course, had missed his chances, but he was the liveliest player wearing sky blue all night. If Sydney FC was going to do something, he was going to do it. And, yeah, I don't know. It, it left me very uninspired. But, again, early days, a lot to play out. We'll see. We'll see if Aleppo can change his spots. Yeah. Matt, anything you want to add on this before we move on? Or, or, or are you guys just going to get into another five-minute argument? Um, I, I guess, yeah. It, it's half-baked in, half in the sense that you sort of give Tele time, right? I just, I think they they they're better off really trying to revamp. But we we have we 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 have that conversation. We've had that conversation literally hundreds of times on this pod- yeah. podcast. Um, no, you you segued to me, and I probably shouldn't have picked up the microphone and just said I'm all good, more good, more good. But um, what what I what I can say about Sydney right now in their current state is I would entrust someone like Tale to maximize the most potential out of any one set team that, that that he's managing. Even if there is something that's fundamentally broken, he'll still find a way to make that team all right. And he'll find a way to gel a lot of that talent in. I think of the team that he took over at Wellington on paper initially really having a lot that it sort of lacked. And he found a way to, almost similar to, funnily enough, how Chiefy is doing at Wellington, you're able to actually kind of mold that in and, and play the team to its strengths over time. And that's something that I can entrust Duffy Talley to do uh, in time, um, just owing to, to his Wellington stint. But it's something that takes time. Um, and whether or not he's actually being instructed to be sort of given like a clean slate and free reign over the team where you can make more creative decisions or whether it's this is the Sydney style and this is what we want to be. And also that's where this whole sort of talking point is I want to get this really cool big marquee signing. I want to be playing FC again. It's like, well, no, because what just worked for you was the polar opposite. What worked for you was a team of essentially nobodies on paper mm. that you fired to being a semi-finalist. Well, they lost the elimination final to Perth, didn't they? But, um, you know, I just, I don't necessarily agree that, that he's, his values are going to be hurt out. And that's a really big worry going forward if Sydney FC want to sort of have more promises and more ambition, just hire somebody else. Get out of the system. You know what I mean? Yeah, hire and, a foreign coach. Hire, yeah. Oh, my God. Hire another Marcus Babel. How sick would that be? <laughs> Content yeah, reasons alone. Just quickly, it's, again, that's the point. Like, Ufuk Tale and Sydney FC are going to be fine because they are Sydney FC and he's Ufuk Tale. They know each other. They know how to go about their business. They can be solid. They can even be very good if the stars line up. But what does Sydney FC want to be other than an adjective? What do they actually stand for? That's what they need to discover. That's what he needs to decide. Are you going to revert to your main? Or are you actually going to evolve yourself and his football club? And yeah, we'll see. Half-baked, me, reckons it's going to be the exact take you had about Corica. I had about Corica. Everyone had about Corica. We'll see how this Moves on from yeah, here. Yeah, we'll see if it's time to talk can about we, Uffy Tale in a year. Can we colloquially call Sydney FC the Botany Bay adjectives? 
I'm not following. You're going to have to explain. <laughs> because Antonis said, Antonis, in, in response to the Bling FC thing, said, the club the club has to say it wants to be more than an <laughs> adjective. So to take the piss out of them, can we start calling them the Botany Bay adjectives? Yeah. By the way, um, shout out to Soccer Twitter for bringing up the Marcus Babel memes on Derby Week. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Good work. You understand the memes of it? <laughs> they have two eyes, huh? They understand the memes of it. <laughs> Sydney, you have two eyes. You understand your identity a bit. <laughs> it's also that. <laughs> it's Grant no, Arnold. Class. You've got that's two class. disciples. You understand the system a bit. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Don't, don't kill it. Don't kill it. Um, okay, let's move on. Um, mindful, mindful of the time. Um, now, some just quickly, some other games we didn't touch on. Um, we kind of touched on Wellington City. We, I guess, we kind of touched on Western Adelaide, didn't we? Enough, mm. anyway. <laughs> yeah. The only game we really didn't focus on was MacArthur and Victory, which was kind of an interesting game. Uh, Caden, how how'd you see that? Yeah, it was not an interesting game. Uh, MacArthur are surprising me this season. They're not being beaten somehow, uh, which is something we're not used to seeing from MacArthur. Kind of always previously just draw them up for a few L's along the way, but... Yeah, I think they they look pretty good. Philip Perto played really well on um, the other day. Um, so I'm just looking at I'm just looking at Matt Fortnite in moving right now. Um, but uh, but no, it was... <laughs> sorry, we're, we're making L symbols. <laughs> As Caden's going, you could draw them up for a few L's. Um, Man, what are we twelve anyway? <laughs> Caden, no, you were no, saying? Was, yeah, no, it was a, a good solid performance. From them, um, a lot Ali Reza Fagani will let a lot go during the game to keep it really free flowing. What well, what else is new? <laughs> yeah, what else is new? He <laughs> always does that, but I, I actually kind of like it. I like, I do rate Ali Reza as a ref. Um, but yeah, yeah, I thought it was a really good game. Yeah, and yeah. Then... Feel for the feel for Nicolau as well with that mm. last minute own goal. That was yeah, really unlucky. Even though Bruno is still claiming it, I think, on the way back to Melbourne on the flight back, he's still claiming it. But um but nah, it was a good game. Whether whether it's whether it's a podcast article, whatever, I'd actually really like a deep dive on MacArthur because We literally thing, did that before the international break, buddy. Uh, <laughs> thing for me is right, the thing for me is Damn, you really cramped my style there. Um, <laughs> the thing for me is, like, they're really good at shithousery, if that makes sense. Like, like they're finding... The Their football was turgid on Friday, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, but the thing is, the thing is, I mean, obviously, nice. that they've, the, the game was a draw, right? But what they're good at is they'll, they won't necessarily put the best package together for 90 minutes, mm-hmm. but the few minutes that they're able to really gel together well as mm-hmm. a team... And push, push forward. Davia's cooking. Yep. They like, yeah. Well, whatever, whatever the one sort of thing is that they that they put on paper, they were able to just sort of get away with it and get away with it in this really crucial moment. I mean, that doesn't sound like it's a long term solution because you know I'm also thinking back to like the game against Western United, right? It was dead set the worst game of the season. Awful, 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 yep. dreadful game. Western who just couldn't figure anything out. Macarthur again playing with a lot of this <laughs> kind of style where they look a bit lost. A big part of it would be Milo Sajovsky's just not a very good coach. I don't think anyone's ever really saw, seen a lot in him as a coach. But they had that moment where they just were able to sort of peg it forward. They got the goal in the 94th minute with Orgler. And I was like, okay, MacArthur have got a result. Now there's something something sort of wrong in here. And it's remarkable that we sit here 
after five rounds with a two three and zero record. They're an undefeated team. I mean, I mean, so Josh is so, sitting there with <laughs> with an undefeated record and a pretty good AFC Cup record, and you're like, no, nah, fuck that guy. <laughs> well. We had this conversation like two weeks ago. <laughs> we did. Yeah, we and did. I wasn't there. And I yeah, wasn't there. Okay, so... Yeah, no. My, my, <laughs> on the victory side of the point, Caden, is there a way that Melbourne Victory could find new ways to frustrate their fan base even more? I, I just wonder if there's if there's any way that they could top uh, what they're doing at the moment with the uh, lack of chance conversion. Yeah, well, I was thinking about that. We had a discussion in the group chat where my... Wacky idea was quickly shot down over Matt playing on the two in the back three with potentially Arzani and Volupe as wingbacks, um, which was shot down. But I don't think it is a terrible idea. Obviously, they're going to be defensively weak on the on the wide areas, but I just think they need to figure out a way to get Jake Brimmer and Machach on the pitch at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think that's just going to really help because they're just, yeah, they're really struggling to create chances for Fallen Rolly up front, despite him being the golden boot incumbents at the moment. They are still struggling to get, he, like, really, he should be almost in double figures by now. You, you think, you think they're struggling to create chances specifically for him, you mean? Because they, they don't seem to be struggling to create chances full stop, though. No, I think, yeah, well, yeah. For him, for him, I think they can probably get him. Like when we saw that game where he scored four, uh-huh. a lot of them, a lot of those goals where he created himself. Except for the one where Dana Trier kicked him across. Um, but yeah, he it's just him kind of carrying them on their back at the moment. And I think they just need like Bremer's really creativity in the zone fourteen kind of area of the pitch, just the outside the box, mm-hmm. and then Machach just. He's just such a strong player. He gets pushes defenders off the ball like they're nothing. I think if they can find a way to get them both on the pitch, I think Mum Victory will start creating a lot more opportunities. But hopefully yeah. convert. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel the reason why maybe I <laughs> I shot it down your suggestion. Not so much because listen, I'm all for like ambitious lineups. Um, I love seeing attacking football, but. At the end of the day, I, I still feel like they're creating a lot. They just have to take chances. But what I mentioned like last week, I think on the last part, I briefly mentioned it, and it's maybe something we can discuss in future, is like at what point where you just keep missing chances over and over and over again, is that just who you are as a team? Uh, because last year, although we know they had all their problems, like they actually did massively underperform their XG too. So this isn't a new thing with them. So I don't know what that necessarily speaks to. I guess that might reveal itself over the over the next few weeks. But um all right. Let's let's get into the big questions then for round six and then we'll wrap up this <laughs> this podcast. So uh Matt, let's start with you. Big question for round six. What is it? Um I swear we already did this at the start of the podcast, but again big, just big question. The- big question. Yeah, uh, it's well again. I did touch on it at the start of the podcast. It's the the Wellington and Western game uh, with regards to sort of who, who who can give just in terms of of Western not really being able to perform at their best level, and uh, and Wellington also really having a bit of luck on their side in how they've performed in games. Matt Matt's struggling to understand the concept of the three talking points being at maybe, the start of the podcast. Maybe it's your English communication, Christian. Have you considered that? No, no, no. Um, <laughs> 
No, no. So yeah, it, so this is this is. I reckon this is on you, Christian. It's not the first time this has happened. Matt isn't the first victim of this. So your question is around that Western Wellington game, yeah, and correct. essentially who can, if you want to just elaborate again. So what's going to give? Uh, who is like? Are Wellington going to be able to show? More that they're still the real deal, or a Western going to come? Or a Western yeah. going to get their shit together and actually show us together. the team that yeah. they should be on paper? Yes. Yeah. What do you think of that, Antonis? Yeah, it's going to be very interesting because it's going to be one of those games for Wellington that, you know, like we mentioned Newcastle against Central Coast, you are going to have to be the one that may have to be a bit more aggressive here because they're a team low on confidence. How do you go against that? Instead of just sitting back waiting for them to come at you, can you go and hit them and be a bit more proactive? Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how they deal with that. But yeah, it's it's just one of those matchups that, will really go a long way to decide with these uh, how we value these sides going into the halfway point of the season in a few weeks. Kaden, what's your big question? My big question is, will Jaden Kaczarski bounce back? He, he created a lot of chances, but it, mainly that one big chance where he shot it straight at Morris Thomas. Uh, we saw after that he was, he was visibly distraught after he was substituted. So I just want to see, will he bounce back? Will he have the mental fortitude to bounce back and kind of mm. put that game behind him and just keep going and just go again, I think. Yeah, I think I think the important thing for him is that he just keeps creating chances. I mean, he's a young kid. He's going to miss chances. It's going to happen. Yeah, okay. That yeah. was that was a shocker. Let's, let's be honest. But um, And it kind of highlighted basically why he is a young player because he just didn't show the composure in that moment. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, I mean, they got Perth at home, uh, and I'm, this is going to actually, this game is going to be my, my big question in the moment too. So you'd think based on kind of what we saw from Perth today, he probably is going to get a couple of openings potentially. Um, and we'll see whether he bounces back from it. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's an interesting one because it's, it is a derby game, you know? So when you miss a chance like that and ultimately lose one nil, it's, uh, yeah, it, it can be, it can be. The damage can be greater than maybe just missing in in another game. So, hopefully, he bounces back because I think we can all agree that he is a very exciting talent from what we're seeing. I actually, Caden, I don't know, I don't know about you, but just his profile. Funnily enough, just watching him in the derby too, like he actually reminds me of Lafondre a little bit. To be honest with you, like just kind yeah, of in the sense, yeah, just like in the sense of being this kind of poacher type and just always being in the right spot. Mm. And I just wonder if Sydney might have kind of found that sort of replacement in their own ranks. Yeah, potentially. Potentially. Yeah. So that's maybe something to keep an eye on just, just as a I guess a half baked uh, take. Um <laughs> Antonis, what's what's your uh, what's your big question? I'm going to the Wanderers and we saw them after a big win when they smashed Western United. The next week they go and concede twice to Newcastle and they nearly lose that game, to be honest. Um, my thing about them now is you come off a of Sydney derby, which is much more significant to Western United at home in terms of atmosphere, in terms of result, huge win in the context of your season. How do you come down from that? How do you perform with that, especially against a Brisbane side? We mentioned how they play, how proactive that they are. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how Brisbane, sorry, how the Wanderers come down against the final like Brisbane Raw. And again, how does Brisbane Raw stack up against the West Sydney Wanderers side? So 
but St- stylistically, uh, philo- philosophically, it's a very interesting game, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, Matt, any thoughts on that? I can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually so excited. I just want to look but this is my. This doesn't even make any sense. It's still like eight thirty where you are because you're in you're in a different okay, world. Can I can I tell you what the actual issue is? What's that? My butt is cramping. <laughs> oh man. Um, I have a, sim- I have a similar issue, cushion? but basically, basically, my if these headphones are on me for too long, my like my ears squash too much, um, and, it, and it really hurts. So everyone's um, got their own ailments tonight. Yeah. 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 Um, okay then, Matt does not have any thoughts on that, I guess. Alright, let's go to my big question because I think we're, I think we're getting to that stage where we're getting delirious. Um, it's actually around that Sydney Perth game, like I mentioned, and it's basically, can Sydney rectify their home form or can Perth rectify their away form? So, two sides to, to a similar, to the same coin, I guess, essentially there. Um, and yeah, I mean, for Sydney, this is a, an ideal occasion for them to get points at home because it's something that not only have they not won um, either of their home games so far this season, but it was something that they kind of didn't really show last year either. So they've got, you know, the team which travels the worst in the A-League coming to town. So it's a perfect opportunity. Then for Perth though, you know, I mean, Saturday night in Sydney, if you can go and get a result there, I mean, that could be huge for the whole project that Stadge is just trying to build. So I don't know, Matt, I mean, this 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 involves Perth. So now, surely you will have thoughts on this. <laughs> I, I don't really have a lot of faith um, in their ability. In fact, I can tell you right now, Sydney are going to win. Uh, Sydney going to win maybe two goals, 2-0. Right. Uh, and, and the reason for that is um, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure dinosaurs roamed the earth the last time Glory won at Allianz Stadium. <laughs> so... Uh, you're telling me that a, a glory team that has no tactical identity is going to go to Allianz Stadium, a place we haven't won in two billion years. It's a question. It's a question. I didn't say they were going to do it. I guess I guess it's just got a blunt answer. Yeah, well, I, I understand where you're coming from, though, because Talley and Sydney need it. Right? Like, they really need it. Um, and it's a game for them where if they slip up, it's it's pretty embarrassing, uh, mm. given given the state of, of mm. Perth right, right now. Um, but for Perth as well, I mean, like, when we are all chatting in the press room, when we realised there was going to be an international break and a really, really long road trip, we were, we, there, there was, it was a downer mood in that room, I can tell you, and it wasn't just because <laughs> we weren't going to get to go to the football, it was uh, it was because the team the team were in for a bit of a tough run, um, and I'm, I'm fully expecting Sydney to win that pretty routinely, to be honest. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Kane and Antonis, do you give Perth any chance in that game? I don't know if they can be competitive, but again, I'd probably be backing Sydney as well. They're just at a different point where they are as a squad compared to Perth. You know, so I'll be backing them at home, but you never know with this. This league is just ridiculous. Like anything yeah, at the I'm moment. I mean, so yeah, we spoke about the unpredictability. Yeah. yeah. So who knows? Well, um, you have to back Sydney at home, but yeah, we'll go for it. Yeah. Okay. And just quickly, it's the opposite of that derby, isn't it? Because maybe Wanderers fall down, but Sydney really need a result now to yeah. kind of yeah. galvanize everyone again. So there's that carrot too. And if you're Tala, you don't want like immediate question marks already 
uh, even though we've already given him immediate question marks uh, in the last segment. <laughs> That's like question mark. Like we say, they're no, going to be followers. Big football news just dropped. Um, former soccer race manager Terry Venables has passed away at the age of 80. Oh. Yeah. Wow. There you go. <laughs> Sorry well, I don't for think... the downer yeah. move. No, no, that's all right. Uh, that's just dropped. Well, I guess the only thing I can say is is our condolences, uh, yeah. essentially to Terry Venables and his um and his family. Um, yeah. because yeah, um, I mean, Matt, you've got more of the historical context than me, but definitely, yeah, I do. yeah. I'm actually, I've actually got a story about Terry, not not to just completely change the mood of the podcast, but um, uh, someone I know who was sort of involved at football at a grassroots level in the 1990s, um. He's of an English background, and he, he took uh, a mate of his uh, to watch uh, the Socceroos play at GIO Stadium in Canberra, and they were walking together um, through like some of the, the back rooms. And he was like, his mate was giving him some shit, was was giving Tony some shit, and he said, "Oh, like all you people in soccer know each other, right? You're all just one big community, um, just taking the piss out of soccer, and like all oh, your bunch of your bunch of you know dickheads and puffers and things like that, and the things they would say back in those days." Um, so surely you know Terry Venables, right? Like he used to coach Tottenham. He's coaching the Socceroos. And Tony was joking around with him and said, oh, yeah, no, I think I know where he is. I'll just walk into some random room. He was opening up, as far as he knew, he was opening up a storage closet. He walks in, he opens the door, and Terry Venables is standing in there. <laughs> and then he's, he's going, oh, what's up, guys? <laughs> and uh, and he, he got to take his mate, who was like a big Premier League fan, I guess, at the time, and, and had a big chat with Terry Venables for like half an hour. So... Yeah, a very, very interesting character, someone who obviously uh, tried to give back to, to football in his own way for the time that he was around and someone that had a lot of success in football in England. So a big, mm. big loss for our community for sure, and a big loss for football. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, rest in peace to, to Terry Venables. Um, okay, uh, let's let's wrap up the podcast. So um, socials, front page football, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, threads, um, LinkedIn, uh, TikTok, <laughs> and uh, and all the rest. Seriously, we've got so many. Um, and obviously, make sure, yeah, chuck us a follow on here on Spotify uh, or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen uh, to to the podcast. Leave us some feedback. Let us know if you like the half baked tag segment and you want something similar. Then then let us know because um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed uh, uh, being a bystander to Matt and Antonis getting mad at each other. Uh, it was fun. So yeah, wouldn't mind we actually that. agreed. <laughs> Matt, sorry, angrily agreeing with each other. Uh, it was very interesting. Um, it's kind of kind of sums up uh, Oz football a little bit, didn't it? Um, <laughs> from that standpoint. Um, anyway, yeah, um, boys, thanks for joining me. Of course, as always, Caden, great job on uh, on on your debut. I think uh, <laughs> apart from hanging Callum Talbot out to dry um, yeah. with with a, with with yeah. With a with a take which burnt my eyebrows off. Um, yeah, it's a uh, it was a good good debut I think uh, from you. Anything anything you want to add before we uh, before we finish up? Um, no, just thanks for having me. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Caden F Rights and uh, yeah. I'll okay, just, personal yeah, plug. Yeah, personal <laughs> plug. Follow me on Twitter. I need those followers. Um, so yeah, but no, but no, it's been great fun. Thanks for having me, and I'll hopefully come back on again soon. Yeah, um, Caden comes on in his debut and gives himself a personal plug. Uh, yeah. to follow him on Twitter. Unreal, unreal confidence. Um, Matt, anything to add? Uh, this is no, no, no. I have nothing to add. 
Oh, this has been the longest two and a half hours of my life, and I really ought to go and massage my ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! New new running meme for the podcast. And also, also rest in peace, Terry Venables. Absolutely. Uh, and Titus. Yeah, I just hope Adelaide United skips its annual smashing in Campbelltown. I hope it's a bit more competitive this time around. Not been a very happy hunting ground, so. Hopefully, yeah, it's a bit more positive this year than that podcast last year because that's doing great here. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> let's wrap it up then. Last thing from me, my instructions uh, are very clear for everyone who comes on the podcast. <laughs> and unfortunately, if you don't understand the instructions, that is that is on you. Um, that's and, what they all no, say. No, 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 no. And I will not allow any rebuttal. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> my podcast, my rules. <laughs> No. All right. Um, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Front Page Triple Podcast. Totally enjoyed that one, actually. Uh, and until next time, it's bye for now.